You're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. I'm Tana Ford here at New York City Comic Con with these lovely gentlemen. And later, I'm going to be drinking Basil Hayden's Dark Ride. Zing. Right on the money. That practice makes perfect, right? You know, I mean, you do it enough times, and you're bound not to screw up as often as you used to. Yes. Yes. I'm a, a, uh, a pro at picking my nose, because I've done it so many times. Yep. You think I'd be able to finally get past this goddamn wave of Fisk security guards in the first Spider-Man game after dozens of attempts, but still haven't been able to. I finally... Cheat. I, it, no, I don't want to. I just I, I fired up the, the Renee was cleaning downstairs, so I fired up the the PS4, and I realized how little progress I've made in the Spider-Man game since I've had it at the end of 2018. And Jesus, um, that's a long I, I time. Know, it has. It is a long time. And and so I started playing again, and um, I'm having a blast. But this 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 one goddamn level or mission. It, and and today today I had four percent life yet left. I had three of the final wave of dudes to take out and one of the bastards came up behind me and sucker punched me and and took me out i was like motherfucker. yeah see jason he would rather play the spider-man game than slack with you right right careful <laughs> one up both you know wow he can't have did both. anybody get that was I, that wasn't a very big bus either that was a little, <laughs> hey, that, no that it was it was the bus with the kids licking the windows in the back seat <laughs> Hey, I know I'm a jerk. Hey, everybody. It's 11 o'clock comics, episode 831. And I'm Vince V. You are that lovable (laughs) jerk, Vince V. I am David A. Price. Indeed you are, and I despise buses, for I am a seaman. I am Prince Dakar. (laughs) You're a seaman. You are a seaman. Um, No, you're Jason Wood, everybody. We're all together now for this our book of the month episode. And I'll tell you all about it in a couple seconds. But before we go there, we have to give it on up for the people that make this possible. And that is our patrons, our beautimous patrons, 24-7. They're there for us. We're there for them. Dedicated Slack channel. We gather and talk about everything under the sun. Images, audios, videos, downloads, everything you want. On the Patreon feed. You want to look at it? I'll give you a little URL. You could scope it out. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. One, one, no apostrophe. Like Luffy. Get the lay of the land. Look around. If you like what you see, we would be tickled pink to uh, allow you access to the ship. There you go. Thank you, patrons. Indeed. Thank you. Yes. And our book of the month is, drumroll, they already know, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, Volume 1, written by Alan Moore, illustrated by Kevin O'Neill, pour one out, and color art by Benedict Dimagili. Yes. How about that? That is called doing my damn research before I open my damn mouth. Because <laughs> I'm looking at that last name, and I'm like, hot damn. I have no idea right. how to say that. But it's Dimagili. And that is, I'm going in thinking, okay, I'm with you to the A, and even the G, but everything after the G, I don't see how that translates right. to 
Jalee. But okay, I'm good with it. Benedict Dimagili is on color arc. And I just, there's a, a solicit in this month's previews, January, for, and like an artist edition for League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Now, I love Kevin O'Neill's work. I uh, always have. I think he was a an amazing, amazing talent. The work in black and white, I think, is not as impactful as the work with Mr. Benedict uh, Dimagili's uh, color art. It's like uh, Sean Phillips. Yeah, I get yeah. where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah, and I'm not, I'm not slighting O'Neill's work at all. My God, he, he's oh, one of my, my all time favorites. But I think he is one of uh, he he needs a a little bit of color to uh, to really make those I'd, lines uh, sing. I'd, I'd even I'd even say I'm more partial to Simon Bisley in color than I am in this black and white, which is ironic since you know Lobo. The skin tone is is just as monochromatic, but um, I like I like Biz when he's when he's colored. He, I mean, it, I love his inks, so it's just he's, whatever you get. Yeah, he's heavy handed though. Yeah, he could yeah. be really heavy handed, but it, you, colors, you, colors help. Look at him; he's a big old strapping man. It's true. He's so he lays down some big old strapping inks. I would it's think funny we, that you bring up Bisley because he was originally supposed to be the guy who drew this book. Correct. Don't yes. Did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That um, would have been unique. Yeah. Looking back, um, if you ever gave me an option of going back in time and replacing Kevin O'Neill with anyone, I wouldn't replace him. I, th- I think he's. Oh, uh, agreed. Yeah. Well, especially after, I mean, this volume came out in 99, but we've got so much more of this world since then. And I just, it's totally synonymous with O'Neill for me. I, 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 my mm-hmm. brain cannot process someone else doing this stuff. Right, right. And I have little um, quick hit thoughts in, in my notes, but I'm going to let one of them fly since we're surface level going in. I think this first volume of League is Alan Moore at his most lighthearted. I'm, I'm okay. I think I like it's it. it's one of his uh, happy fun time works where, the I mean, going into the final act, you really – don't get the sense that any of it's going to go south. The, yep. the you know the league are going to come out on top, uh, such as they are, and the the crown will will live to crown another day. It's just it, there there was never really um, uh, that 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 impending doom um, or or really mm-hmm. really dire circumstances. It was all him just having fun with. Um, these characters, uh, prominent characters from literary history, and, and I think yeah, this, this yeah. is a—it's—it's it's an anomaly um, in the Alan Moore catalog, but it's one of the good ones, where it's just fun and it's—it—it—it it, it, it just reeks of that. Gosh, golly, running down to the newsstand on a Saturday afternoon, plunking down the quarter, getting a pulp and reading it. You know, it's—it's. It's, it's it's loaded with pulp sensibilities. And yeah. I, it's I ABC, love this book. dude. Yeah, ABC. You know, yeah. like the, the, well, I, we mean well. I also have a question towards the end once we're wrapping it up, um, and I'll tell you now, maybe because you could probably find your answers. Where does League fall for you on the Alan Moore spectrum? 
Oh, you mean okay? Yeah, we can talk about that at the end. Yeah, yeah because it, mm-hmm. some of my picks were surprising to me. Okay. Yeah, and I, and I think no, I just think it's fun. It's that's the word that it, it it's it's body and dirty, and you know the people do get killed in it. People get ripped apart, but on, uh, for the most part, I think it's just an entertaining romp. Oh, I love it! I love it unconditionally yes I, I i love everything about it really honestly so so i of course you and i have read this before and we're well versed in it this is depths i guess i'm gonna preempt my normal question it's steps first time reading it so we we all not as much mystery about our experiences with this beforehand but uh yeah this book is uh i mean i i i will say up front that the fact that i've read this four or five times before and was able to sit down this week and read it again, start to finish, and know every reveal and every beat that was coming, and still find it completely enjoyable and uh, and gripping and and worthy of of my my scant time uh, is a testament to how much I think this is a great book. Yes, it is that. Yeah, so much so that I brought actual alcohol to the table this week mm. because we should talk about what we're drinking mm-hmm. I, I am drinking a trio of flying dog um all at once like 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 no, like a like a, like no, a hot friday night at the, at the local bar or in um, succession i will okay. have them uh the first is raging bitch ipa and then i have some blood line blood orange ipa and the last is oh it's not a flying dog. It's from New Trail. This is Replenish IPA. Ooh. Yeah. So. Cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater. Some of the alcohol for this great book of the month. Nice. Um, I, too, am imbibing because I'm celebrating this delightful revisit. And I thought, since we're revisiting a work I love, let me revisit a wine I love. So, Dap, guess what's back in the fold? Close de los siete, dog. Yes, sir. Yes. Drink it some close. Nice. Uh, I cracked open the um, partition drawer, and I am having a holiday-spiced old-fashioned. Once this is done, though, I might dip downstairs for... um, for a bottle of bourbon that was uh that was gifted to me because i can't drink it next week because we already have something on tap for next week and um i do want to have some of it tonight so i might i might run downstairs in a little while nice how about that how about it all right, so you did, in a, in a sense, ask your question of when it was, uh, when did we access... But we'll refine it a bit. Did, okay. uh, did you read this off the stands in 99? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yes, so sir. I didn't. I didn't. I uh, I read Volume 1 uh, and Volume 2 together when Volume 2 was released. Oh. So, but that was probably, what, 20... Like, 2002, would be? I, I should have looked up what, when Volume 2 came out, but whenever Volume 2 came out is when I read these books. But about 20 years ago, give or take. Uh, yeah, volume 2, 2002, yeah. There you go, okay. Now, did you read the um, Quartermain backup story 
for this iteration because I didn't. I've I've read that when it was coming out, but I did not read it. Again. Now, were those the back matters for each issue, or yeah. was it okay? Yeah. yeah, same, same. I skipped over it because I had some familiarity with it from prior readings. Yeah, I mean, it does nothing. I mean, it's 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 a it's a a, a worthy read, but in context, it doesn't do much more than paint an opposite picture of Quartermain than that character we get in the main story. Like these are the glory days um, when he was virile and on top of things for the most part, as opposed to the opium um, swelling, you know, wretch that we find him in the first chapter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess, and it's, I mean, you've said it directly, but we should, we should set up for people that aren't clear. This was the first volume, which was a six issue limited series. 1898. Yep, published through ABC, America's Best Comics, which uh, was Alan's uh, showrun imprint, which we've waxed lovingly about over the years. But it's been a while since we've talked about it. But we've we've had a few episodes over the years where we we went deep in our love for ABC. Um, but this is one of the earlier. This volume is one of the earlier works of ABC, and um, fortunately, even though it was an imprint within Wildstorm. Um, Alan was able to, because Alan is Alan, and make sure that he owned it so that uh, when he decided that DC was the devil incarnate and wanted nothing more to do with them, he was free to take these works and repackage them and republish them at his leisure. And he's done so at uh, Top Shelf and uh, I think one other spot, Knockabout maybe. And uh, yeah, so so he owns it lock, stock, and barrel, even though it was originally Wildstorm. Nice. I love the introductory message. <laughs> I think it's great. It's Mr. Uh, Scotty smiles. Yeah, that it's just um, they make no bones about it that this is a story designed for boys, for for stout-hearted young lads, and I love the line where they said, um, "You may find some pages within the second uh, chapter uh, sticking together." And that's that's very funny <laughs> because that's well we'll get there but uh Mina finds herself in a precarious uh, uh role as a prostitute so this is true and this book you know it's funny Vince that you started off by saying it felt like one where Alan was having fun because I would agree and I know that um he got the idea to do this many years before he did it here when he was doing Lost Girls with his wife, Melinda. Um, and for those that don't know, I assume most of you do, but Lost Girls was a uh, series of erotic stories that Alan did with Melinda Gebby, his wife. And it was uh, also largely public domain. They took fairy tale characters and sexed them up. Yes. And he said he was having so much fun with that. And as he was doing as Alan Moore is wont to do, he, he did the deep dive. He was so enamored with how rich these characters could be if you made them more real, i.e. made them violent and sexual and that sort of thing, that he thought it was a no-brainer to make a super team of public domain Victorian-era literary characters. And it was one of those things where he thought it was almost too good to be true, and he wondered why no one had done it before because it seemed like such a great idea. And that, that had been uh, an inkling for him for, I guess, close to a decade from that point on when he finally got to, to doing this. Um, so, yeah, I, I, 
and I think it, it pours through uh, th- this. And, and the fact, too, that he – I think it also speaks that that he keeps coming – or at least I don't know if keeps is the word, maybe kept. No, I'd say you can say keeps. Keeps coming back to it, right? I mean he's continued to tell stories in this world pretty consistently for 20 years. And there really no, there's nothing else you can say that he's done that with in his career. He's had very long runs that were um, that were put out more issues, but they were monthly. You know, they weren't they they were so it didn't last 20 years. So I think that speaks to how much he he adores this world and, and this idea. It it lends itself to satire uh, because he takes a stab at the '60s later on, and then uh, you know the whole Harry Potter phenomenon. It's it's just it's it's a nice little canvas on which to comment using all these these uh, semi and legendary characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and we won't get into it much of it all tonight, but but it gets crazy as it goes on it gets darker as it goes on yeah yeah I'm, yeah much well, like harry potter like a lot of these stories do i mean it, it does but but it i mean it gets almost pure sci-fi by the end right you know future off-planet alien stuff i mean it's it definitely veers into other other places but you got to give alan credit he really teases the second volume in the first one Oh yeah, there's yeah. a lot mm-hmm. of little nuggets where he's like, if you're paying attention, the the second volume should not be a surprise to you, for sure. Yeah, but um, well, let's ask the newbie what he thought high level. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, my introduction to the the property um, <laughs> was the movie was that horrible movie <laughs> and. I mean, I, I knew it was a comic book, obviously, and, and I just, I had never been able to read it. And, and by the time the movie was around and the issues weren't easily available, it just, it, it it was one of those things where, of all my eBay purchases, League never really made its way to to my want list. So, um, and, and I... Uh, the the movie being what it is and and having to it was kind of the the second time it was brought to my it, it i realized um the studio execs really do think um americans are idiots so for the most part you know i'm not really disputing that but uh the, the for example the inclusion of Tom Sawyer in the movie because oh there are no American characters so so how are the audiences going to be able to uh, relate to anybody in the movie as if that was a thing but um, the knowing that um, based on what I had seen and and heard and read uh, knowing how different the movie is from the source material I never really um, I figured by the time I get around to reading it Whatever happens in the movie, I'm not going to be too concerned with. That. Nothing that happens in the movie is really going to um, hinder my enjoyment of of the actual um, series. And and that's and and that's exactly what happened. Um, I I'm, I'm uh, maybe I think I'm I'm not quite. I'm almost halfway done. I'm at the halfway point of the second volume. So I, I haven't stopped um, reading it. I did not read the, the text piece 
yet. I'll go back and read that when I finish. But I wanted to finish the um, the actual sequential portion of this omnibus. Um, the first, it it's getting the band together, setting everything up. It it was it it's great. It really is. I I have um, I, I wasn't that doesn't surprise me at all to know that uh, that I enjoyed it as much as I did, uh, considering the creators and and how I mean, even without being bogged down with how much everybody adores this um i i had a blast i i i started it and and i i haven't finished i i, I haven't put it down except to uh to take care of a couple other things but um it's it's been fantastic i it it's it, it's a great setup the, the, these first six issues, first six issues are absolutely phenomenal. Um, I'm enjoying the second series, and I, I I would love to see you know if if Black Label decides to continue to put out these omnibus, I'll I'll keep getting them in this format. Uh, but I definitely do want to um, catch up and read the rest of uh, read the rest of the series. Nice, that's my boy right there. It's it's really not surprising that the movie um, is the horrid experience that it is, right? Um, I I don't like to disparage art because, again, one man's trash is another man's treasure. But the movie is is a disturbingly bad piece of shit. It is. I mean, it really is. It's like they weren't yeah. even paying attention to the stuff that was going on in the book. They just they probably just bought the name, right? And. Uh, and whenever something like this pops up, I, I, I'm always amazed at just uh, – it's a testament to just how anomalous the Marvel movies are. The fact that they are – the good ones are as good as they are. When you take a look at Hollywood and the landscape and their track record for screwing up um, I, you know, beloved things – the fact that the Marvel movies are amazing and very, very true to the source material in most cases is just it, – it, it boggles your mind. How did that even happen? Because it's not, it's not a, a constant in, in, in movies. Look at the DC movies. But I know I'm getting down a different track. But right. this is all instigated by the fact that League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is a horrible adaptation of a beautiful source material. Yep. The, the fact that they screwed it up is just – I, I, it, it does not compute. But anyway, no, I like it, it's it, it, that's unfortunately I, I I think I don't know about most of, but a lot of I believe the blame of how bad the movie is can be attributed to Sean Connery. Uh, well, he well, decided to to flex his muscles and and um, just want things to be done a certain way. But it was it, which is which is shocking considering you know where he's from. And why he would think that you know these uh, the, these these fictional characters? Could, I, it, it's it's weird. It, it, his mindset isn't someone it, that that mindset isn't. Well, he's old Hollywood. From him, I. But I know it, it's just and yeah, he probably he he, he uh, probably felt like you know he had a handle on on Quartermain, especially the Quartermain in the comic at the beginning when 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 he's talking to Mina. But uh, it, it's um yeah, it's just it's. And it, there, it, there's no little bit of irony that the man that played James Bond fucked up the movie featuring an ancestor. Well, at least the the 
the uh, sequential uh, incarnation of the league features a, an ancestor of James Bond. Like that, yeah. that's just a cosmic joke right there. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah. All right. Let's get. You want to get into it then? We have any other things to uh, to tackle before we get into the 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 guts of the the narrative? Well, as we get into it, I do want to say that to me, this is. I mean, we'll get to later on your question about where this would rank among Alan Moore stuff, but I will say that this is definitely seminal Alan Moore for me because one of the things I think makes him the GOAT is his ability to simultaneously deliver a surface-level story and also give you layers, and I think that's that's something very few can do. Um, we often compare him to Morrison, and they are very good at it sometimes, but sometimes I think... Morrison um, hurts the surface level for given their obsession with uh, going deep. Whereas I think in Moore's case, he almost never did that. And this is really par for the course because you can read this and have very little knowledge of the main characters and their literary roots and enjoy it, I think, as a bombastic, fun, giant action comic. But then if you've had any experience reading these characters in their novel form that gives you an added layer of enjoyment. But then beyond that, and I think probably lost to the majority of people who read this, given how popular it was, this book, this is as meticulous a work as you will find in that there is nothing in this book drawn or written that isn't referential and purposeful. Sure. The street signs, the wink nods, the, the pass the passing comments, the names, everything has reference. It it all ties back into legitimate um, public domain literary remarks, or right. to your point earlier, cultural cu- cultural things of of the moment. And that is, you don't need to know that. Like you have, there's no, you, you absolutely can enjoy this as an awesome comic without having any interest or, or knowledge of that. But but if you peel back the layers, it's never endingly. Uh, entertaining, at least for for me, it was just to be like, oh, okay, these characters, like every character has a history, a very rich history in in literature, which is pretty cool. Right? How badly did you lose your shit during the scene where Nemo starts picking the brains of his crew? He's like, hey, what do you what do you think of these? These these dudes <laughs> and and the captain goes, come on, call me Ishmael. You've known me for a long oh, time. Know, you yeah, you must I know you, you must have had to change oh, your draws. Dude, <laughs> there are. Um, I mean, I have no idea if and and how. I don't know if these pages are long sold. I don't know if these pages are. Kevin kept them, and then his estate's going to put them up. I don't know if they're they're. Yeah thrown away in the garbage i have no idea because i don't i don't think i've ever seen a page from league uh on calf or publicly but there are pages of this this series that i would just die to have i i would just die to have I, that's I, probably I, one of them oh for sure yeah i mean i just um yeah i, th- I think it is it is magnificent and and i will say um because we all grew up pre-internet <laughs> um we we all were readers too right we read books as much as we read comics and i i uh being a super nerd that i was i went out of my way as a kid to i had this list of of the hundred greatest novels of all time you know one of those one of those jobbies and i would 
systematically read those novels because I thought it was important to do so. And uh, a lot of the work that these characters come from are in those novels. And so it was just, just nostalgic for me on multiple levels because it reminded me of reading those books as a kid. And that was as insular, that was as insular an experience as reading comics was back then for me. Right. Because none of my friends read comics, but not many, if any of my friends read, uh, 18 to 1900s British literature either. So, um, yeah, it was, this is, yeah, this is just, this, this hit me in the, in the, in the sweet spot on many an occasion. And you know, Dap was marking out with, with Campy and Bond. I mean, right off the bat, you love Bond, dude. <laughs> Do love Bond. But, and that's, not I mean, he's a far that. cry that from a reference. That was a modern reference really that he, that's... that he adapted. I mean, it's not like Bond was a, Bond is a modern creation, and Campion Bond wasn't wasn't Victorian, but but it makes all the sense in the world to weave him into this, right? And just to tie it back to what I said earlier, the the other previous time that I realized that uh, um, not just studio execs but uh, other countries look down on um, on the states, uh, the um, one of Timothy Dalton's Bond movies, License to Kill, was actually renamed License to Kill. It was originally going to be called License Revoked, but they felt that Americans wouldn't know what the fucking word revoked meant. <laughs> yeah, but that that's a dumb name, too. License Revoked. It's like... A, <laughs> no, I like License to Kill better, even though it's, it, it may not be... It, it, was that the way that Fleming intended it to be, License to Kill? No, I don't. Th- I don't know which book, which story that that movie may have adapted. Oh, but okay. That was the name of, of of one of his novels. I think License Revoked is kind of weak, but anyway. But but if that's the if that's the story, if Bond goes too far and his license is actually taken from him, then <laughs> then, then the name is appropriate. It is. It but, is. You know. But yes, but License to Kill is actually what he does, so it's it's fine. But anyway, yes. Let's. I don't want to sidetrack. Coming yes, next year, I saw <laughs> James Bond license taken away. Place has been taken, but no. And unfortunately, uh, I mean, yeah, it, it's just it's a damn shame that that someone named Bond weighs like you know four hundred and fifty pounds. But whatever, he's a dandy. He is a dandy with his old John Bull matches and his fancy cigarette case, and yeah. with the carriage approaching in the mirror. That I love that little touch. It, oh, man, O'Neill is great. But you were right, Dab, when you said um, the there is. Um, it's actually two stories. The first half of the miniseries is Mina getting the band together. Yep. At the behest of uh, the aforementioned. M. Yes, Campion Bond, who works for a man that goes j- just by the, the initial M. And Mina, being the uh, very strong willed, intelligent, very intelligent woman, uh, she jumps to conclusions and thinking, oh, it must be Mycroft Holmes. Uh, the great detective's older brother. Um, is it? We'll see. But um, so the, yes, and the wider the, brother uh, uh, under O'Neill's pen. Yeah, the uh, first half is getting the band together. The second half is is defending uh, the country against the uh, an enemy yet to be revealed. Yeah, and and so again, no surprise. As you were reading this, you probably thought, well. They had Woodrow at getting the band together because, like you said, oh, this sure. is pretty much for the first half of this miniseries. It is, I think, as well done a getting a band together story. This is why I love getting a band together stories. You meet each character, 
you're trying to figure out what makes them unique, what are their talents, how do they fit in. It's just, I love that trope so much in all of its forms, and this is, if I did a list of the 10 best getting the band together comics, this would be on it. I, I love it that much, and it's, like, perfect in that regard. Right. But you gotta wonder... Alan's opinion on the character of uh, Mina. Because she, not only in this volume, but throughout the entire um, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen uh, series, she's very often the, the, the focal point, the, the crux of everything. Yeah, yeah. And she gets the shit mangled out of her. <laughs> like, yeah. she, she's, uh, well, I mean, she almost got turned at the hand of, of the, the Lord of the Vampires, right? That's external to this. That's the reason why she wears the, the scarf. But, I mean, even in this volume, she's raped almost. She mm-hmm. she's, um, has to pose as a prostitute. She all, We'll get there. But she is beaten, battered, bludgeoned, just thrown around, belittled. Uh, it's it, And yet she remains – I think she's the one constant throughout the entire Definitely. series. Definitely. Well, she's the she's – the, she is the only – by far and away the only survivor of the original incarnation in the last book. Right, right. But she seems to be the eyes – of and 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 a lot of times you know the mouth of Alan Moore yeah but he what you wonder does he think is he one of those creators that believes that his his creations have to suffer in order to 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 grow I don't well, know well I think it's a play on the fact that she is a suffragist right and this was a time when although this is an alternative world uh, Victoriana it's 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 an else world if you will but but it's it is still a world where women are at the point of this story in the late 1800s are just getting the basic semblance of, of rights and equality and, and 99% of men, even those that consider themselves cultured and erudite view women as lesser. And I think he does a good job of reminding us of that and, and really how strong she has to be to tolerate the bullshit. And, and she is by all accounts, she, like you said, they allude to it. They don't ever, they, they leave that hanging for you to know, but, but they allude to the fact that she was, savaged and ravaged and is now divorced and and the divorce alone is is incredibly scandalous yeah that's a stigma too yeah and then beyond that she's she's they 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 even say a couple times like oh you know she was attacked raped they imply rape but and and say we know it's it wasn't your doing but as if like well you must have you know you're you're somewhat to blame and you're still used goods and there's one part through it all they call her a lesbian because they get this lesbian out of here like what? yeah and through it all she um she perseveres, right? Like yeah. she, she she doesn't take the bullshit from any of them. She's but, like she's she's of singular purpose and I find that impressive like you said because she is she is lesser and she is meaning physically like she is overpowered and she is, and, and yet it doesn't stop her from right. from holding shit together. Yep. So, uh as far as getting the band together, the the very first um recruit she uh tracks down it, it's in Cairo. And um, it's not explicitly says uh, stated, but she gets a ride on the Nautilus. Yeah, I mean that that scene, the the, the scene where where she uh, she and Bond are are chit chatting, waiting for her ride, and they're on this big pier look, overlooking the ocean. You're chatting. And then and then you just see the bubbles of the ocean, and then the next scene is she's in Cairo. I mean that is 
that is beautiful stuff, right? Because yeah. they could just on the nose have just shown the, the sub. How many films have we seen where the sub comes up out of the water? And you could have you could have done that and it would have been fine. But but they just leave that for you to say, oh, OK, there's something going on here. Yeah. And then, of course, we get a grand reveal of the novelist later. But, what, but yeah. And I, again, love Kevin O'Neill, but you have to give it up. The source of that page when um, uh, Bond and Mina are walking through that ramshackle um, dock, that's straight Will Eisner. That that is plucked from Will Eisner's the panel, yeah. yeah, yeah, and and then you get the the bubbles on the bottom, and he says your chariot approaches. That is nothing if not an homage to, to mm-hmm. Will Eisner. I read an interview with Kevin about this book, and for him, he thought he said that the first half of this first volume was the hardest thing he's ever drawn because he spent so much of his career doing bombastic action and fighting right and 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 this was very difficult for him and took him a long time and a lot of focus and then uh as we'll discuss it as the as the series goes on he he gets to start his stuff on the other side of things and and do the gigantic cinematic right it's almost uh, two books it is it it really is yeah that uh that page miss that that that's just it's comic making 101 i mean that's this is what scott mcleod's talking about you've got you've got the four wide panels and and the gutters obviously are are meant to show a slight passage of time but they're walking down and and through each panel and then and and even the bottom two panels the word balloons trail off because obviously bond is still speaking but it's just it's the way it's 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 just the pace of it. it it it's an amazing page it is it is comic book making 101 but you do need to acknowledge the the reason why it is and that's because yes, no, no, no. Of, right. oh yeah yeah, yeah no there, there's history and it, it, it's it's a it's a page steeped in the history of what right. makes the medium so great yeah i mean he doesn't owe anything to eisner but it's like a thank you for yeah. breaking down that wall and showing us mm-hmm. that you can do it this way so um yeah it's in uh, in cairo she encounters uh alan quartermain very much and, and, oh i'm sorry i was just gonna say one of the things that uh so my, my lovely wife she hates when you're watching a movie and it's set in a foreign place and they don't speak the language and show you English and subtitles. Now, as we know, the vast majority of American movies don't do that because commercially that'd probably be a bad idea. But she bring like it doesn't matter what the movie. But she's like, why aren't they speak? Why are you know? And that's like her nitpick. And I'm like, you yeah. bring this up every time. But anyway, I bring it up because this, give her a pass this on that. scene where they're in Cairo, <laughs> they're speaking Arabic, or it, the text the text bubbles are in Arabic, and I think it's so neat mm-hmm. that Alan. Whether they're here or in France or in other other volumes of of the book in other places, whatever language they're speaking, he suffers no fools. It right. is oh, it, like the 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 Nemo in, uh, in Berlin. There speak half the books in German. It is in that language, and you can either run it through Google Translator or you can just go with it. But yeah. but they do not offer translations in the bottom. It is just and it's you know, not just. Let's just throw a bunch of of. Uh, uh, Arabic or or Chinese characters on the page that it actually translates like right, they are saying real. something yeah. right, mm-hmm. uh, but in most cases, not the Nemo one, you needed to translate that. But in most cases, you can get by without translating. Sure. You can tell yeah. what what you know or assume what they're saying. But there are some instances like the Nemo book specifically where if you didn't translate it, you would be you're, you're missing a huge chunk of the 
the story. Yes. Yes, agreed, yeah. Okay. So we said that she's in Cairo, and she does manage to unearth an Alan Quartermain, but is not the Alan Quartermain uh, whose exploits she has read as, as a child. This Alan's in a bad way. The opium has him in its embrace. And uh, this is what leads to the near rape of Mina. There's a pair of burly, fez-wearing thugs. The worst kind. The worst kind of thugs wear fezes. They're up to no good. <laughs> uh, and they attempt to rape the comely Ms. Murray. And you see the dudes. I mean, they pull the pants and you see the dude's ass. It's like yeah, their legs but, are akimbo. I mean, it's... But, what, but I love this sequence because look at the, the, the second tier, right? They got her legs open. And in the third tier, they're back together. Like, that is a detail that did not have to be added. Would you have missed that? Or it, it's, it's something that is so obvious. She would scooch her legs together, right? You, you're not getting in there. But a lesser talent, eh, they'd probably just run with it. You're but right. I, I love the fact that they are spread wide open on the top panel and then the next panel, ooh, and he's trying to pry them apart again. Like, that is great. That just that's the attention to detail that Definitely. I the, know the, the that I'm going to get. Expressions, the 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 emotive way that he depicts each each character, it's truly genius. Yeah, stuff. it's nuts. Uh, it, it's it's, it's really, and it, it is something I think that having read this a couple times now, but but every couple of years I I almost forget that part of it, and I'm like, damn, like because I remember the big set pieces, you know, or the design of the world because he's so good at that. But then it's like I forget these moments like you're saying where you see these expressions or the nuances of the face or the reaction to a scene and you're like, "Damn, like he's good at everything." O'Neill was good at everything. Yeah. And the the amount of research that he had to have done for this series is just like ridiculous because you're in Cairo one minute and then you're in you, you know Nemo's Nautilus the next and then it bounces to um uh, Paris at one point and just and yes a lot of the the architecture is an amalgamation of real world stuff and the stuff from Kevin's brain so uh but he still had to know the baseline of Parisian architecture to pervert it or or to to manipulate it to his Kevin O'Neill version of Parisian architecture. You know what I mean? It it, mm-hmm. it just seems like that this book would have taken uh, a, a monumental amount of research to get done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they 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 make their escape through Cairo after after in, Alan shoots in what shoots her though? would-be rapist in what in the Nautilus, yo. Well, they escape to to the Nautilus. Yeah, saying. and then we get the and then we get the reveal of the Nautilus. And I love if you zoom in on on the last panel before we see the Nautilus on the next page, the splash. Look at Quartermain's eyes. Yeah, he's bugged out, and he's like, "Is that the is that the opium talking?" Or yep. do you see this too, and it's like, and he has Nautilus, that look one more time in the book too. What's that? He has that look one more time in the book. Yeah, with his yeah. eyes all bugging out. Mm-hmm. You know when. And the Nautilus yeah. <laughs> is unveiled, and it is glorious, and it is this gigantic. I mean, it's it's massive, and it's 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 obviously a giant sub but it's it's drawn to look like a giant squid and the cool thing about that is that is not from the novelization you know that that is not like that is that is kevin having fun with it and i'm sure alan probably weighed in on on he was very hands-on with that stuff too but but like their idea here because obviously the 
those familiar with 20,000 Leagues remember that the Nautilus does do battle and get in a big battle with a gigantic squid. It's 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 one of the the marquee moments of of that story, and uh, they mer- they merge them together. You know, like like the, the sub was never described that way in, in in literature, but but I love that he 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 made the sub even cooler by making it look like a and it felt more like a superhero book because it, of course it would look like 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 Black Man is like of course it, it's a giant giant squid like of course it is right, but they, they took a bit of the cinematic approach to the nautilus with the it's it's very um arrow like um it's i want to say it's more nemesis to warlock like but then i'm playing too much into kevin o'neill but you're right in the in the fact that they did uh merge the squid scene with the actual sh- submarine but um because it does not look like that in in the in the movies or the books so right. you're right, yeah. And uh, so, where are we going with this? It's it's uh, Mina. We, we got there. Uh, Mina and Quartermain are rescued by the Nautilus. Woohoo! They're spirited away, spirited away by the great science pirate. What's his name? Say it with me, Captain Nemo. Captain Nemo. Um, and not only and did you. By the way, did you know that Nemo wasn't named Nemo in the book? What? Yeah. In the book, he refers to himself when they say, what's your name? He says, for as he says, you can call me Captain Nemo because that's all I am to you, just as you are nothing more than than people on my vessel, because Nemo meant nothing. Captain nothing. That's why he says in the book. I I am no one. Yeah. 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 But I'm saying he's but in the like he was never it's like Frankenstein's monster. He was never his name isn't Nemo. Like his name actually isn't Captain Nemo. He just referred to himself that way in that moment, right. but it became like, like culture and lore turned that into always Captain Nemo. And that's in the book. That's in this book. He, that's yeah, in the make, book he, book. Right, but he makes a Alan Moore makes a play on that in this yes, book yes, by saying, right, "I am right. no one." Right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and it takes uh, Quartermain a good while to dry out. Um, opium is a nasty bitch, and uh, then he and Mia. Uh, have a meeting in France with her contact. And this was really cool because um, Auguste Dupin is an Edgar Allan Poe creation. Yep. Not only is he a Poe creation, but he is widely regarded as the first detective. Yep. Murders in the Rue Morgue. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, they play more plays on that in this story too. Um, but to get to this narrative, uh, Dupin believes that their target, uh, a, a brute with unnatural strength and ferocity, is capable of the same vicious crimes as the orangutan in his introductory tale. There's a melding of murders in the Rue Morgue and um, what you will see from uh, the character they eventually round up, which is dr henry jekyll you know it's not going to go well when um you're picking up a meek dr henry jekyll and his uh, alter ego soon shifts and he becomes edward hyde but the thing that i liked about this is that more kind of dispensed with the the drug angle where uh jekyll would have to inject himself with drugs 
to become Edward Hyde. This is more of a, a Hulk type situation. Whenever Jekyll gets agitated to the point of extremely extreme agitation, he 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 hides out, right? He hulks out. He turns into this monstrous creature. Um, and that happens here. Edward goes nuts. Uh, Perot shoots him in the face. Uh, but it's, it's Quartermain that brings him down with a bottle of, I'm going to screw it up. La, la, laudanum. Laudanum. Mm -hmm. yeah. Laudanum, yes. That's when I know that well from uh, countless Deadwood episodes and a yeah. lot of other Westerns. <laughs> Uh, Every woman it, in a western seems to be hooked on laudanum. But oh, yeah. then the real neat thing about it is laudanum contains what? Opium. And yeah, right. It's so during, liquid opium. Yeah. This is this is the sequence as as Mina poses as a prostitute, and while they're waiting for the you know the stuff to go down, uh, uh, Quartermain's like, eh, I'll just pop off to the 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 local pharmacy and get myself a a bottle of uh, laudanum because he was still somewhat beholden to the opium and laudanum contains a good percentage of opium so um he jams the bottle into uh edward's throat and it just totally takes care of the beast yep and how cool of o'neill to draw hide the way he does making him look like an like a, like a you know, simian of, of type. It's very now, he odd. Now it's, he doesn't look like an orangutan, which is interesting to me. But 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 it, you know, much more like a uh, like an ape or gorilla. But yeah, he does look simian like. It's uh, it's just uh, an odd. Sure. Yeah, it's an yeah. odd representation of of Hyde, which is good because I mean, uh, I wouldn't want to see him depicted as he has been countless times. Like put a little spin on it, and he does. Um, I, I, I got. We talked about this when we when we did the O'Neill. Um, retrospective when he passed on but rereading this i was struck by how much mignola owes to o'neill hmm. i feel like mignola's books and then everything that now people think of as mignola comics is here in this stuff which does predate mignola's hellboy stuff i don't know i'd have to think on that I think it's right there, my dog. But you know, we don't have to go down that rabbit hole tonight. But I'm just saying, I I was like, okay, I'm like, I think Mignola needs to. I mean, I don't think O'Neill propers to O'Neill. Yeah, I, I don't think O'Neill is what I would regard as an elegant artist, but he is compared to Mignola. Mignola is very very harsh angles and mm -hmm. strong blacks. Where Kevin will go in, and he he's not above some gentle you know flowing line work sure uh, that's why i'm sure. just that's why i'm having a little trouble but the shadows are there for the most part it's just that i think i don't know we you're right it's this is not something i'm just going to come to the conclusion with but it's in it's a neat question that you've posed mm. i think mm -hmm. yeah so so um one of the things i i took from this sequence is that um Initially, Mina's all covered up, and when she's tarted out, pretending to be a prostitute, she's very attractive. And mm -hmm. and and I think this is the first instance where Quartermain's just like, hmm. <laughs> you know, she's she's a royal bitch, but there may be something between like this. I think this chapter was the the first uh, instance where there. What is to come shouldn't have been a surprise. 
is what I'm I mean. Saying. Not and and yes, but not so much to the to the degree where it's like, listen, I, I I should be keeping an eye on my compatriot, but oh, here's a pharmacy right here, and I need oh, to he, get my goods. Yeah, but so, the dude's you know, still it, he's still hooked like that. Right. Yeah. You you don't get out from under opium like easily. That's not you know. Give me you know. 24 yep. hours and I'll be good. Like it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. It, he is a human being, after all. Yes, yes. But uh, yeah, and <laughs> poor, <laughs> poor Edward gets part of his face shot off, and then Henry has to deal with the the <laughs> the walk of shame version, and wake up the next morning, he's got like part of his face just not there. I They're love the for Nemo though trying to yeah stitch him up a little. No, bit. he goes in. He goes yeah. in deep. <laughs> Just tilt your head. Let me, yeah, let me get in here a little bit. I like uh, well. Uh, one of the hallmarks of this series is the cityscapes. I think um, O'Neill was very very uh, smart to let the architecture speak for the locales, mm-hmm. yeah. and and they they're all speaking in different voices too, which is amazing. Which plays into the ending when you get that super well. We'll get there, but there's a juxtaposition going on with the the way these various uh, locations are depicted, and then the big location at the end is uh, pretty great. But um, so yeah, they 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 have their their second man in in uh, Henry Jekyll and Edward Hyde. Well, third, third. Nemo, we got. Oh yeah, yeah. They uh, he seemed see that's the one thing they never had to coerce Nemo or or, or, or they, he was just it was almost there. like it was a show forward. Yeah, just yeah. Them from 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 London to Cairo, but yeah, there was no. Well, I think he's the most dangerous out of all of these people in this first. Oh, yeah, I like Nemo. Like Nemo's the dude; he can fuck you up. Right. And uh, uh, he's a science pirate. <laughs> you yeah. know, you don't mess. Yes, sir. With, you don't mess with yeah. that. I like him a lot. Yeah. Uh, Vern knew what was up. And it, you, see, that's one of the things where it's, it, it, it amazes me how robust these early novels were. And, um, yeah, we all read, well, most of us read them in school. And it was, back then, it was a chore. But looking in hindsight, right, there was a lot of great material that we, we had, quote, had to read. Um you know, twenty thousand leagues, uh, master of the world, the Jules, Jules Verne stuff, um, War of the Worlds, all of the Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde, Dracula, Frankenstein. Those books are freaking phenomenal, and we acted at least. And when I say we, the majority of of kids in in at least my school acted like, oh, my God, i got to read this shit. It's like a 1,000 years old. <laughs> but the, the, there's a reason why they're classics. And I tell my kids this today. Uh, you know, Vinny was the, the most recent, and he would have to read, you know, Catcher in the Rye. He's like, this book sucks. And I'm like, dude, can you do me a favor? Never, ever say that around Jason. <laughs> I know. I need one of my kids after the <laughs> But it's just, it's a testament to the power of storytelling, right? When done well, the characters and the events, they exist beyond time. They extend. Yeah, that is exactly right. I mean, I mean, you, that's 100% it. I think that the fact that these, and this I think is unique to, to, to books because 
just because the other mediums haven't really existed long enough, right? But like you can read a book from 200 years ago or 100 years ago, and it's can be excellent and and completely gripping. I mean, it can if if you let it, it can be completely engrossing and as entertaining and vibrant of a story in your mind as as something that you just that just came out a week ago. Um, yep. And uh, part of that, I think, is because and I'm going to sound like an old man here. One of my issues with with people today not reading much. And I include my kids, who are all smart, smart kids, but they they don't read. Uh, I very much for pleasure, uh, at least not long form prose. I think there's a, reading prose is special, even though we do a podcast about comics, because it allows your mind to yes. put, to paint the story in a way that will be most impactful to you. Whatever the creature in your mind that you see is going to be scarier than if you saw it drawn, likely because it wouldn't be how you see it. The the villain, the hero, you're going to create the emotional tethers or the fill in the subliminal cracks of the story or the motivations that fit the way you are going to feel about the character in a way that just magnifies it. And I think that that's something that is mainly limited to non-illustrated, non-visual storytelling. Right. Because your mind is the storyteller. Yes. I both loved and hated um, illustrations within novels. Right. Because it it would depict the way... um, the characters should be uh, visualized, but mm-hmm. it would also depict the way the characters should be visualized. So it, I would see a character in my mind. I would devise a, a, a thought form that drastically um, went against what was depicted in the, mm-hmm. the vision. And I'd be like, oh, shit, now i got to change my the way, I, the way I see this character. And then after a while, like as a young person, I did that. But then after a while, I was like, fuck that. I'm not doing yeah. that. That's just another person's take on this character. The way I mentally view this character, that's the way it is, right? Mm-hmm. And and um, I, I'm a firm believer in that. Um, Ridley Scott had it right in the first Alien movie. What uh, the things that lurk in the shadows, the things you can't see yep. are far scarier than the ones you can. Yep. I was going to bring up another film, um, Jaws, right? What a happy accident it was that Jaws didn't have the budget and they didn't have the technology at the time to make the shark. They didn't have footage of, of, of like we do today with Shark Week where there's a trillion pieces of footage of great whites. And so he built that contraption and it didn't work well. So he was he was he Spielberg had to essentially do lots of away cuts and use music and and the anticipation of the attack and different camera angles instead of showing you a bunch of scenes of a right. fake looking shark attacking. And at the time he viewed it as a complete pain in the ass and was worried about it. But then in retrospect, I think it made the movie significantly more impactful to oh, people. Oh, sure. They right? even they even um picked up the the reins with the second movie. You don't see a whole lot of the shark in the second yeah. movie. You see more than you do in the first yeah. one. But it's still very tastefully uh represented. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the, Mina and and company head back to England, and here's where um, Alan plants some seeds. Right, there are threats to the empire. We need you guys because Robur, the master of the air, which was a Jules Verne creation, uh, master of the world, uh, as played in the film with the same name by who? Who played Robur, master of the air? In Master of the World. The Ooh, movie. no idea. Vincent no idea. Price, dude. Oh, I should have known. Yeah. Um, Rest in peace. The, the, for real. Uh, so we got this This guy, this Master of the World is a threat. 
there's incandescent gas on Mars doing some shit. Uh, what's up with this? We don't know. Uh, so we need a, 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 a backup. We need some kind of a force to, to guard the crown, to you know, keep the empire solvent. And uh, you, you need to, to go see what's up uh, because I think we got another – uh, potential candidate at Miss Rosa Coots Correctional Academy for Wayward Gentlewomen. And if you look at the building, the building is literally yeah. a hand slapping an ass, a bare bottom. Yeah. Because Rosa Coot, Rosa Belinda Coot, actually was a dominatrix character created by author William Duckdale for a series of Victorian erotic novels. Mm-hmm. Yes. So they they go to the school, uh, Mina Allen and their manservant. He's not happy about this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Nemo. Uh, the the place is in Edmonton. Um, and there, it, 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 it happens that a, a trio of young ladies at the institution have been divinely impregnated. Mm, immaculate conception by the Holy Spirit. No, it, it, it's, a, it's all a ruse perpetrated by Holly Griffin. A.K.A. H.G. Wells' Invisible Man. Yep. And this chapter, when I first read it, I mean, I have matured somewhat as a... Mm, uh, yeah, have you, <laughs> really, have you? Is it uh, when I first read this, I'm like, that's the same fucking thing I would do. If I was an Invisible uh-huh. Man, I would hole up in a girls' school. And it's like, an, it's like Ponderosa. Or whatever they call it now. Yeah, it's, it's all-you-can-eat buffet, right? And they attribute it to God. <laughs> but whatever. Uh, I, I, also, you should mention that um, they hand off the – they hand off uh, Hyde to uh, Dick Donovan uh, in the beginning of this issue. And, and he's another uh, very well-known at the time in, uh, detective – he predates Sherlock Holmes. He was in a bunch of uh, novels in the 1800s about uh, – he was basically – like Dupin, he was one of the earlier super smart detectives that uh, you know gets ultimately, I think, in the annals of history, subsumed by the greatness of Sherlock Holmes. But uh, yeah, so another another reference there. Didn't need to know it, but it was cool that they used him. Right. But this place is, is all – it's slutted out. There, there's the, the, you got the girl like bending, like bare bottom bent over, getting mm-hmm. getting whipped for yeah. misbehaving. You got you know the bedpost. Yeah, I mean, the there's there's erotic art art all over the place, which is hilarious, right? Like, why would there be erotic art in this place? <laughs> it's a, you would think it would be like the last thing you would want in totally. a school for wayward girls, but um, yeah, there's just naked stuff all over the place, uh, and the building is in repair or at least cosmetically. Uh, they have interior designers and, and working on the place, but uh, the the scene where Griffin just does his his thing, <laughs> uh, there is a lot of clutching of pearls, <laughs> right? Because you get Quite this literally, yes. You no, know, literally, yeah. you get you get the the girl. Um, she's lifted up into the air because he's, you know, he's uh, he's mounting her, using her, whatever. Uh, he's raping her, yes, but he's Holy Spirit, so it's okay. And um, <laughs> it's just a fucked up scene. It really is. There's people are like, they're aghast. Some are enraptured at it, like, oh, let it go. But Mina and Quartermain know better. And um, 
it is it's Nemo that gets his hands around uh, Griffin's throat. But Mina, ever resourceful, I love the fact that she's in stripes in this. It, it, graphically, it's freaking amazing. She throws what White on paint. him? Yeah, white paint. Is it though? But is it though? Is it though? It looks a lot like semen to me. It's, okay. So, a lot uh, of semen, dude. yeah, <laughs> just saying. Uh, so he's felled. He's felled by some some simple white paint. Um, and I love that uh, Coot comes and she's like, "Oh, uh, I, 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 I was entertaining." <laughs> is that what you call what? it? Lady fucking <laughs> <laughs> she's all tarted out with her big old boobies. Yeah, this is just like it. This to me is like the the Tijuana Bible segment of this book. Right, because Alan, Alan again with with um, the the oh the name escapes me the one with Alice and and the the, the lost girls yeah lost girls this was again he loves the bodiness right so yep. this this plays into that and there's nothing wrong with a little bit of erotica it's not uh, it's not explicit it's it's just Benny Hill level ribald right. Um, when Mina gets out of the bed and she's got the robe half on, like you see a little bit of what she's got working and it's like, okay. Um, yeah, I, I'm down with that. And, uh, so from here, I love, uh, oh, good. No, no I you say, I, I, I love that, uh, the scene where, where, where Mina is, they're getting debriefed and she's looking around and she sees a picture of another group of Lee, another group of of characters that were presumably a prior league, which mm-hmm. I think is super cool, including Gulliver for Gulliver's Travels. Yes, there they are. Uh, there is a legacy aspect to these this group too. But it's neat because there isn't like there isn't right. But then more makes it so right. Like right because it's like oh how novel it's let's no one's ever done this before in his mind. Let's put all these characters together. But then he tries to show you like, but it actually has happened before. You know, and you've got, uh, like I said, they got Gulliver, you got uh, the lead character from Scarlet Pimpernel, uh, and some others who I don't know who they are, but I assume I, I know that they are people I just don't offhand know who they are. I'm guessing the annotated uh, version of this book would be twice the size. If I would if, assume. If the notes were printed on, on yeah. other pages, yeah. Or I, I, I should mention um, for, for those that are interested much like with the annotated watchman. Um, there's a gentleman by the name of, of, of Jess Nevins and he's written three books and counting of annotating these works. And if you just Google Jess Nevins league of extraordinary gentlemen, there are websites. I don't know if he's runs them or if, if they were put up by others, but that have a lot of his annotations, uh, publicly available on this book and you can, and he goes panel by panel, basically letting you know, uh, you know, who people are and where they're from and stuff. And it's, it's pretty neat stuff. It's it, like I said, it's a rabbit hole. That's very fun to go down. If you're so inclined. Yeah. I, mm, kudos to the author for investing the time and effort in doing that. But I, I would never, uh, consult a source or sources like that. I want to find out. I want to find out myself. Well, it's like, but if you, like you, you only know so much, right? Like there's going to be things you know you're like you don't know, and you're like, oh, I wonder what that's about. True. I mean, for me, that's how. I mean, it's I, I. That's much like the annotated Watchmen. I think, which is great too, for the same reason. I just I love that I, the idea I, that. I'm glad you brought that up because I think hmm. that's a that's a large part of the uh, 
at least the entertainment value of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is tracing these characters, their histories, their their lineage, their the the associations between different characters and and the authors and when they were published. Like that, to me, is a big part of why I think this series is is so um, mm-hmm. li- limitless in it, it, it in the enjoyment uh, factor. Right, because there's always something to uncover in these. I'm sure I didn't crack, uh, you know, seventy five percent of it, but um, it's there. Should you just de- should you decide to go down those roads, you can, but it's not necessary because the story still works on the surface. Mm-hmm. He, he's a, he's a mad bastard, this Alan Moore. And you mentioned um, Grant Morrison the other earlier in the in the, mm-hmm. the talk. I just saw him in a movie. I was watching oh. this, this thing called Mom and Dad with Nicolas Cage. Okay. Um, I, I, parents suddenly develop the overpowering urge to kill their 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 children, mm-hmm. and and they they flash to a news broadcast, and it's friggin' Grant Morrison. Mm. Yeah, and he's he's like the the expert on it. Well, and he you know he's got the bro going. If that is a bro, I don't know if what, technically what you would call his his vocal affectation. But they're Scottish, yeah. Yeah, and it's it it. I was like, holy shit, what's he doing in this movie? And then he was gone. Uh, he Morrison's gone. So it's like, wow. Yeah, mom and dad with Nicolas Cage. It's on um, it's on Hulu if you want to watch it. I don't know if it's a great movie, but it was a a worthwhile waste of time. But let's get back mm-hmm. to the. The, the good stuff here um so where are we now um oh yes well the this is where the the transition begins where bond informs the group that professor Silwyn calvor who was from hg wells first men in the moon specifically though um his cavorite creation which is a material that negates the effects of gravity which is essential to the Crown's planned expedition to the moon. Mm-hmm. Yep. England's going to go to the moon. Um, or so they say. And uh, this stuff, this this cavorite, has been stolen by a mysterious figure from down east in Limehouse. A character known only as the Doctor. Mm-hmm. But as um, Marvel found out... Um, Sometimes you can call this character by his real name, and sometimes mm-hmm. you can't. <laughs> there's public domain, and then there's not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but needless to say, it's Fu Manchu. Yes. Yes. But uh, by the way, what kind of have I, I've never quite understood? Because <laughs> it seems like almost everyone that was created back then is public domain. But why is Fu Manchu not? <laughs> um, that's a good question, and. I'm, I'm guessing that the paperback novels were reprinted a number of times, uh-huh. to the point where the I think the fifty year um, copyright whatever didn't it never lapsed. Crazy because the 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 the, the paperbacks were always in print. Yeah. I don't know if I I just may be full of shit, but that's mm-hmm. part of what I'm remembering. I don't know. Um, I have I have a bunch of them. They are great. You would hate them be- because they're very much of. <laughs> I love it that you laugh, knowing full well that I'm talking to you. Um, What's funny is that, uh, <laughs> is that as I was rereading this, I thought, you know, this is so pulpy, and I love it. It's another example of probably that my anti-pulp st- stance is is 
is thin. It's bullshit. It's, it's it is. Thin. It's total bullshit. It's no. no it, I know. Know what it is? It's hateful. It, it's it's specifically designed to shit on me. Yeah. But um, it's Sac- about you, Vince. No, Sac. It's not. I am okay. Uh, Sax Romer's books are really, really well written. Good stuff. But again, they're pulpy AF. So. They are products of their times. And there's nothing wrong with pulp. There's nothing wrong with that gosh G. Willikers innocent parting of the ways with common sense. <laughs> you know, suspension of disbelief is a wonderful thing. Sense of wonder, right? Where did mm-hmm. it go? Where did that sense of wonder go? It was consumed by the internet. So mm. the, the team splits. In search of information on the doctor's whereabouts, you have Mina and Griffin uh, in search of Kuang Li, the purveyor of fine tea, and then Quartermain and Jekyll. They uh, are sussing out Shenyan Barber Opium Den, which uh, you would think that knowing the Shenyan was a uh, a barber posing as uh, was an opium seller posing as a barber. Uh, Quartermain would have wanted to pick the the, the Kuang Li, but he didn't. Um, yeah, it's a little indicative, I guess, of back then they weren't too too keen on how to keep someone sober, like extricating them from <laughs> from oh, temptation. The, yeah, there was crazy shit back then. Like the well, there was actual cocaine in Coca Cola at mm-hmm. one point, right? So better days, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> And I, I think this is where – now, the, it doesn't falter at all, but this is where I think the uh, narrative slows down a bit, where we had a breakneck pace uh, initially where we got to find this next person. Then we're off to this other country, and they were going to here with Nemo. Now they have a lead on where this Cavorite is, and it's in one location. So there's the, – the globe-hopping aspect is – reduced um and i i just think the 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 second half of the miniseries moves more slowly than the first half i think that's fair mm-hmm. yeah i do think that's fair well yeah i mean until the climax which is just balls out oh grand, sure grand right. adventure in action yeah but i remember yeah. reading this um again off the racks thinking uh when issue uh six was coming out how in the hell is he going to wrap all this up like there it, it, it's mm-hmm. inconceivable um but because as this each issue came out the back matter would add at least half hour 45 minutes to the the time it took to read the issue like you got value from each issue of league of extraordinary gentlemen whatever it was 299 399 i don't remember um but you got your money's worth because the pros took a good amount of time to read and then you had all the pseudo ads in the back the victorian Mm -hmm. you know uh which to me just fleshed out the entire picture beyond the the narrative like this is what this was a uh a world that he was capturing within these pages And, and to your point about making uh allusions to volume two throughout this you've got the the uh, scene where they're walking and, and the gentleman's holding the newspaper and it reads eruptions on mars maybe volcanoes which yeah 
It's pulled straight from HGL's War of the Worlds, which, spoilers to those that spoilers. haven't read it, is the central storyline of Volume 2. <laughs> yeah. so. Well, I mean, if you're surprised that the Martians are at the core of Volume 2, then yeah. I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I really yeah. don't. Um, so, yeah, they're... they're, they're tra- Lee is a character from a series of books in the 1920s as well. Yeah, everybody in this thing. Yep. He's, yeah, everybody he's, is pretty much. He's just not pulling shit. Out of his out of his buttocks, there's there's always a callback on this, and you wonder if he and and Kevin just were that well read with this stuff, or if they actively sought analogs that fit the story they were trying to tell. Uh, no, I think Moore is a is a just a, a mad. Yeah, I tend to agree with a him. mad doctor. I I mm-hmm. think he just put. I, I'm not saying O'Neill's contribution was slight. It, it is mm-hmm. nothing like that. But I, I do believe that Moore is just, he's hes from another planet. What I hope isn't lost on people, though, is that I know 1999 wasn't that long ago, but the world of 1999 was far different than today when you could say, hey, Alexa, who's Kwong Lee, right? I mean, right. Uh, Moore and O'Neill, while they had some access to the internet, I mean, the internet did exist in 99, obviously, but, but it wasn't... It, it, you know, Wikipedia wasn't really a thing, at least not to the way it is now. It, it was still, most of this was them either having the knowledge or working very diligently to resource, to, to source back matter to piece this together. Right. Like yeah. this wasn't something they could have just easily said, oh, we need some analogs who were, who were 1920s characters that we can use. It was, I mean, that, that, that would have taken work or prior knowledge. It would not have been something you could just do. If we were going to write a story about this like this today, it would take seconds of research. Right, right. right. Of and yeah. There's a thing today, um, uh, if you're a, a Magic player, where you can plug in a card and it will list very quickly all of the cards that have synergy with the card that you put in. So you can know nothing about the game and build a very, very competent deck based on the output of this resource. And I'm like, back in the day, and I know it's get off my lawn, I know. Mm -hmm. Back in the day, you had to know your colors, your cards, what did what, you, you know, and, and, but now it's, it's all irrelevant. You don't need any experience. You can just plug it in and you get the results. Anyone could get the results. And I, I think that's another thing with this story is you are absolutely correct. Back then, when the story was written, Moore was relying on his experience and his intelligence. There wasn't, let's just plug in a couple names and see what, what happens. He had to actually conceive these connections or or, or at least uh, know of the literary landscape of the 1800s and and be aware of the characters that were existent at that time and then manipulate them accordingly like the, the stuff wasn't just keystroke keystroke type type yeah. type here it comes like he had actually work at it but the thing that boggles my mind is he was writing other stuff at the same time True. like it's just well this would break a normal human being right this one story but he wasn't only doing this the America's Best Comics, like I think Tom Strong was coming out around the same time as this, right? It, it's just crazy that, yeah. That, yeah. And and I know that that's that's a, a a a cheap and easy fallback when you say, "Oh my God, this is crazy." But to conceive putting your your mind in this creative space 
and kicking out a product or a, a production to this level, it just boggles your mind. Like, how is this actually happening? Mm-hmm. Not not just in one instance, but he was replicating this with his other stuff too. Yep. That's why he's the now, GOAT. Now, Dap, uh, as you're reading this for the first time, certainly there are some instances of the references that you get because you're familiar with the source material, but were you drawn down that rabbit hole at all to, to try and figure out who other characters were? Uh, maybe sometimes, maybe yes, maybe no, not so much. I'm just curious to how, how you took it. Uh, to a degree, yes. Some of them were quite apparent. Um, sure, sure. Others, I figured I I would, I wanted to, I didn't want to stop to do yeah, research yeah, yeah, while I, I was that. reading it. So it's yeah. definitely, there, there are, I'm, I'm, gonna have a list to uh to go through when when it's done because especially when when i get to the second volume and and i'm like okay well that's obviously that's uh, john carter and, and so i mean there's no i some things are kind of just they smack you in the face with, with mm-hmm. what's going on uh, especially when they name names but um i figured uh pretty much everybody who has a word balloon attached to them exists mm-hmm. in previous forms yeah. prior to pr- prior to this collection. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah, I ask because this is definitely my discussing this now is a, is by virtue of having reread it a, a, a bunch of times over a 20-year period to your point. Like when I read this and and the first and second volume the first time, much like you, there were references because I was familiar with the source material immediately thought, "Oh, that's cool. Like I get where that's coming from." But much like you, and that's why I was curious if you saw it the same way. I was like, okay, I'm sure everyone else here is is uh, is legitimately tied to other things too. I don't know offhand where they come from, but I I'm sure that they do. And then with each subsequent reading over the years, I was able to piece more and more things and go down rabbit holes more because the surface level plot was so emboldened in my in my memory um that yeah i mean if i were reading this for the first time i would be more like okay i i know i'm guessing most of these characters are some other places but i I, offhand i don't really know who most of them are right Mm -hmm. you want to hear something sad the very first time i read this um there was a a group at the shop that was going absolutely bonkers over the scene where um moriarty is fighting you know who on the precipice and i'm just like the fuck is with this scene i don't get it like like who are they <laughs> because i'm not a, i'm not a sherlock holmes fan uh-huh right? oh wow that's cr- really yeah and crazy. i i, I wow. was like i, I what, what is this bullshit like i don't know who who moriarty is so what, the whatever Moriarty reveal which is arguably one of the biggest reveals of yeah, the book, was, from a plot perspective meant nothing to you totally lost them wow I'm I'm not a fan of Sherlock Holmes. I've never read. I assumed that that was going to be the hook for Dap. When he read that, he was going to be fist pumping. (laughs) Oh yeah, when 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 Bond goes to to catch up. Yeah, when we when we we learn that Moriarty is that M is from Moriarty. Like son of a bitch, and then we get the whole play of 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 what happened at at Reichenbach Mm -hmm. Falls. I was just like, Mm -hmm. holy shit! Yeah. Okay, I was, I was like, the fuck are these middle aged fucking skinny like, dudes fighting is, on it? Yeah. It's a waterfall. It's dangerous. <laughs> this is, what it is. That's great. Anakin, wow. I love whatever. it. Whatever. Yeah. 
That is fantastic. My man but, who could school us on like countless other things is like, I've, I, oh, I, Sherlock Holmes had a nemesis? Yeah, I've this? never been. Uh, I, I hounded the Baskervilles. I've never even seen the movie. Oh, my God. Wow. Even though Cushing's in it, right? Cushing, yeah. I, was just I know. Say, Holy shit. Dap, I miss those days you and I marking out over the, over the, the Benedict? Cumber Patch stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the I, Mar- I feel Martin like Cumber Patch uh, joints. Good times. Uh, a rewatch is in order. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I should read some. Some or actually, no, I think I, I, I mean, as as entertaining as Guy Ritchie's take was with with Robert Downey Jr. and and Jude Law, I think because of the modern bent, Vince, I think you would enjoy the um, the 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 Moffat uh, Sherlock. For my money, the Moffat stuff is. World better than those Robert Downey Jr. Movies. I agree with you. I absolutely like the, agree the, with you. The, like you said, those Robert Downey Jr. movies are fun, but they're fun on a purely because they took a very non-action-oriented series of adventure stories and turned them into act, big-budget action movies. And so there's a there's a kitsch to that that I enjoyed, and and Downey Jr. and and uh, Clive uh, is it uh, Clive Jude Owen? Law. Jude Law, Jude Law, um, are, are are certainly par for that course, but but for me, the 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 Moffat, the Freeman Cumberbatch stuff is just incredible. It, yep. it is it is incredible stuff. I think I would rather read the Conan Doyle stuff. Well, I think that's incredible too. I remember reading. It's funny the stuff. I remember reading the Hound of the Baskervilles when I was on a camping trip with my dad and my grandfather, and they were out. Probably outside of the cat of the camper, just sitting by the fire having beers or something at night. And I was in, I was in the like the. I can still remember being. It was one of those campers where you had the bed atop the, you know, at the top. Yeah. And I was laying in that bed just reading. I was reading *Hound of the Baskervilles*, and the, I was getting so scared. I was little. I mean, I was probably eight or nine years old, but I, just, I still remember that like it was yesterday, and it was forty years ago. So, and it's funny how certain memories don't ever leave you, right? Mm-hmm. It's true. It's yeah. it's really weird, right? The stuff you remember. Like I can't remember what I had for for you know for lunch yesterday, but I I'm hoping but I can that remember those things. I'm hoping that those are the the ones that uh, disappear the the last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Or yeah. or or the ones that stay with us forever, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can remember. It, it's really strange. I can remember walking down um, the streets of New York City with my mother, and it was the feast the feast of Saint something. I don't know what it was. And somebody was approaching me, and they had a copy of the Monster Times in their hands with the Spider-Man cover, and I'm like, it was like lightning struck my my forehead. Uh, it, I don't know who that kid was or where that kid went, but how, why would that happen? Like I, I was in love, and I still am in love with that magazine, and this kid just walking towards me, proudly displaying it, like cover it's just weird how this fucking universe works but anyway we have a story to talk about still so the big reveal um it it turns out that bond is a patsy and is corrupt and is is uh uh corroding uh, the uh the vaulted name of mi5 by being a stooge for the big bad he's allowing it all to happen and the big reveal is the the big bad behind it all. The M in in is not Mycroft Holmes. It's Professor James Moriarty. Moriarty. Yes, who is uh, apparently the uh, 
the foil of uh, Sherlock Holmes. But <laughs> apparently, um, and he wants the uh, the Cavorite to uh, propel his incredible airship into the air and bomb the shit out of England, specifically Limehouse, which is where uh, Fu Manchu was uh, located. Uh, the one panel that gave me the big oh shit moment back in the day and still does presently is the one where um, they said, um, can you imagine someone bombing Britain? Say the Germans. Uh, it, it's just unthinkable. And that's exactly what happened mm-hmm. in, in in the World War II. Uh, mm-hmm. But it... it I mean, that's not a stretch to put a panel like that in there. But back in the day, I was like, holy crap. Like, that is not mean-spirited, but it's because it's true. But it, And it was unthinkable at the time and still. But anyway. And Kevin O'Neill designed a much cooler helicarrier than uh, than we got at Marvel. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Moriarty commences his aerial bombardment of England, um, specifically Limehouse, and this is really neat because Fu Manchu launches a massive defense. With it, Manchu's uh, defense is much more uh, flamboyant than uh, than Moriarty's attack because that's one of the pages I would saying like I would die. Yeah, for. the friggin' he it, it's kites and cannons. He has all his his straight his, GI Joe dude. Gliders, right, his minions gliders, just take man. taken to the skies in these beautifully designed kites. Uh, some and he has cannons on the ground, uh, but Nemo has a card up his sleeve as well because he reveals a balloon named Victoria, <laughs> and it, it's just th- this is where the floodgates open. Like I, I think um, up to this point, Moore was relatively um, tight with with his his um pacing like it it was it was plotting oh and one of the things i wanted to mention was the fact that it doesn't play out in this book but the fact that the invisible man is clearly not invisible to to edward hyde (laughs) i'm glad you brought that up because they you notice that in this volume but it doesn't really have any consequence no there's no you're just like oh hyde can see him uh okay like that's that's interesting but hyde's a bastard because he's he uh, there's a number of of instances where he's like i can't see you wherever you are which a shows you that hyde is super intelligent yes and b it does again to moore's credit it sets seeds for things that happen in subsequent oh dude that scene is amazing that the the comeuppance mm-hmm. it, that scene is just, get I also no. think it's it's important relative to Hyde that you get the Black Widow Hulk for you MCU fans moment where <laughs> uh, Hyde is basically going crazy and and grabs uh, Mina and, and looks oh, like he's about wrist. to ravage yeah. her and and she's like Nah dude you know check yourself like like yeah she doesn't say it down, like that like, stop acting yeah, no I get it. Stop acting, <laughs> and he said, and he just does. He's like, okay, respect. Like he shows a respect, you know. Which again, yeah. you when you meet Hyde, you think he's this bestial, just just hater of women, and 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 he and he is. I mean, he doesn't. I mean, he's a mass murderer of women, but but uh, but means above that. Like he respects her. Yep. He's earned her respect. So she's earned his respect, rather. Tis true. Uh, they they steal 
the uh, Cavanite, uh, specifically Quartermain, which I think is very important because this is part and parcel, I think. Um, he was in a bad way initially and under the thrall of Opium. And now in this instance, he's the one that makes the ending possible. Mm-hmm. Right? And I would he, argue that... But he also made... fucks up England for the next bunch of volumes. Yeah. No, I was going to say... I, no, that's true. I would argue that of all of the main characters of the first volume of League, like the original League, um, I would argue Quartermain is the least known to modern readers. What? Like, I would think that's true. King Solomon's Minds? What? Yeah. But I, but I think King Solomon's Minds is nowhere near as ubiquitous as... No, you may be right. You, yeah, leagues. no, yeah, I, yeah. I gotta swing your way. I mean, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, yeah. so, so yeah, like I think people might have known him as an adventurer, sort that's of a, a precursor to Indiana Jones, but, but I don't know. I think a lot less people that have read this have read King Solomon's Minds than have read Dracula. Or now, see, that's I was one book the movie with Richard Chamberlain. But yeah, oh okay. Jesus, oh god, I haven't seen that. Myself, <laughs> Aren't you that priest that fucking that fucked? Fucking priest. <laughs> that fucking priest. There you go. I didn't have to say anything after that. But um, no, you know what, Jace? That's a really smart. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, that, uh, I've read King Solomon's Minds. You're probably the only person on the planet that was more familiar with Alan Quartermain than Sherlock Holmes. Probably. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Fucking <laughs> yeah. Methuselah. Uh, I know. Whatever. He's like, I didn't read anything after 1880. It's all revisionist bullshit. He can tell you what episode Hawkeye Pierce made, what quote from an episode of MASH, though, no problem. Yep. Oh, hot lips. I, wait, I didn't know that about you. What's that? You're a massive MASH fan? I love MASH fan. I mean, I didn't know that you were you were that down to it. Though. I, don't I can't. I'm not to that extent okay. that I can do the friggin' that happened. But I I think Mash is one of the all time greatest uh, television shows. Yeah, okay. that's I love, another I love, memory, a fond memory. I watch Mash all the time with my stepfather. Dude, loved oh it. my god, dude! Yeah. It doesn't. My father. Uh, it's like that. You know, this episode's not gonna be any different. Uh, he. It doesn't matter. How it's syndicated, he'll he knows exactly what yeah, station must see TV playing it at what sure time. Kid. Oh it, yeah. It, it, what cracks me up though is that the, the 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 goddamn TV show lasted so much longer than the actual Korean War. It's amazing. Yeah, that's true. I but lost it. Mm, no, don't stop. No, never we existed. Don't talk, no, we don't talk about aftermath. Mm-mm, no, I lost it that last episode. The last episode, I think, is one of the one of the oh. finest moments. Uh, well, not Adam. Yeah, it, it's very impactful. And I remember going to school the next day, and everyone was like, the fuck with the chicken. I'm like, you, oh. you people need to pull your heads out of your asses. Oh. That's probably one of the best things you'll ever see on television. And they're just like, didn't make any sense. Is it a chicken? Oh Is it a baby? I don't get it. Oh, like, you're killing me. <laughs> well, come on. Dude, North- let me tell you something. Nipa. I, I think one of the first ever TV moments that made me really sad was, was the helicopter with Colonel Blake. Oh yeah. Oh. yeah, yeah, didn't deserve that. Yeah, I was mad young though. I don't think I. I think that's probably the first time I ever saw someone like a prominent character in a world that I was a part of from a fan standpoint get killed. Yep. Again, spoilers to anyone that's yeah. Still brings down the forty years behind your. It still brings down the fucking room like <laughs> decades there's, later. There's someone right now watching fucking uh, fucking watch mash on Nick at night or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, fucking on 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 Zubo TV. <laughs> 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 
That's the next episode. Oh, you, you, that episode of my you, you dick. Fuck. You fucker. <laughs> There's got to be a statute of limitations. I'm, I'm waiting for the comments in the, in the, in, in, in the iTunes being like, these fucks ended here. Spoil, spoiled the, the villain from Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Stop. Hyatt. Stop it. I'm done. <sighs> Moriarty. What the hell? Moriarty M. The fuck with that? Mina Harkness was bit by Dracula. What? Oh. Now, see, I'm that. That was the, to be. I mean, to just bring it back to the source material. That was the super hook for me because I was eminently familiar with Mina Harkness, with uh, sure. Mina sure. Murray, and um, yeah, I I didn't need coaxing to read an Alan Moore story, but the fact that one of the protagonists from a book that I hold very near and dear to my heart. Yeah, yeah. And and also he picked up the the structure of of Dracula with the the letters, right? Yeah. Um that is is yeah. part of League where she's writing back and forth and uh yeah, yeah whatever. I mean to say that Alan Moore is, and, is smart and, is like it's stupid to say. I that. really like the 92 film as a non Coppola. Oh, for real? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. No, that book, that 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 movie's great, and uh, I thought. Remember um, who played uh, Jonathan Harker? Yes, yes, Keanu. Uh-huh. Yeah, Mister Mister Neo. Yeah, he did all John right. Wick. He did all and right. Apparently, it is I sexy mean, as fuck, though. That movie. Yeah, like that was the, that movie was super sexy. Like yes. that, that was during a period of time that like the Anne Rice stuff where, where vampires were super sexy. Like they were all very very attractive. Uh, and Monica and, uh, Bellucci was in that shit, dude. Legend has it that um, that Keanu and and Winona are legit married because Coppola had it like like it was an honest to god like priest performing oh, the, the ceremony. Yeah, I uh, thought that was great. I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch that. I haven't seen that in a long time, but I haven't seen but it in ages. Gary Oldman like, Dracula was awesome. Right? Anthony yeah. Hopkins was awesome. That was an inspired. Was, I thought it was a really good movie. Yeah. It was an inspired choice for Dracula. What, what, yeah. what, what bugs me. And again, go, going back to the LXG movie. Um, oh Jesus! Is that they? So obviously, you know, Moore is is being uh, in air quotes subtle by referring to her as as Murray because that, that that's her name. Obviously, she, she's yeah. the first. But in the movie, of course, that they just give it away and and let you know that right off the bat. Oh, it's Mina Harker, and you know, of course. Well, they fuck it up too because they give her Drac. They give her vampire. She's like Blade in the, yes, in the movie. Yeah. Exactly. She's got vampire power. She's just not like, and and that's, you know, again, I mean, whatever. It's it's its, its own thing. So I'm not, I'm not going to. It, it was a choice, but it 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 totally, I think, disarms the character in a way. Like the whole point yes. of the character is that she is just a she's an abused woman who doesn't let that change her ability to have agency in her own life. Correct. In the comic. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost as if she's written by Greg Rucka. Yeah. 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 Yeah, dude, it's so weird. You brought I was being facetious, for some, but for you got some it. strange reason, I had I thought about the fact that we had Rucka on the show like over a decade ago. Like it, today, I thought about that, which is so weird. <laughs> I did too because I was looking through previews. And he's got a new book coming out from Image. maybe that's why. Maybe yeah, that's why. and I'm like, yeah. Mm, he yeah no, it, he's he's not a draw for me. No, I know. It's okay. It's all, all right. right. Yeah. But you throw Dracula on something. Like, I'm in the back of the previews, and I'm like, Dracula, what? <laughs> it's, it's circling it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, all right. So where are we? <laughs> well, no, I mean, you, like you said, Quartermain steals the, the Cavanite and, and, and defeats Moriarty, who 
you know, floats off into the sky and yes, but it's it's a it's a number of of um, of interesting um, not coincidences, but uh, like the fact that the Invisible Man was a policeman that allowed him access to areas that you know you know what I mean. He shouldn't mm-hmm. have been, and then the balloon the balloon pops out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like oh, I got a pol- I got a balloon. It's almost yeah a Deus Ex Machina. It's also we didn't really touch on the we didn't really explain fully that Moriarty the big reveal of Moriarty makes the reason it, it works is that he is both a super criminal and a government agent. He's basically like a giant double agent. They, right. they essentially created him to to have a hand in in the underworld, such that the but, government could maintain its insidious control over things. And right. it, it's I, kind of one of those things where, because Moriarty is a super genius, he is successful at playing both sides. So he is also legitimately a kingpin of crime, and he is the top spy. But it's you know right. But wh- what I've never been able to connect. Why the hell does he want to bomb the shit out of England? Well, he wants to both eliminate Fu Manchu, who is his rival. I got that. That is painfully okay. obvious. But why would he want to ravage his 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 country just to get at this rival? I assume to increase the power of the government and the war machine? Like the need to develop? Okay. That makes but sense. Yeah, I guess I never really, really thought it through. I mean, you don't really need to. He's mm-hmm. just he's just a criminal mastermind. So uh, yeah. he's playing both sides. It, it does stand to reason that. Um, well, look at the ending. The fact that this happened and the league thwarted them put the group on retainer. Should anything ever arise again, they would be ready to challenge the threat. So it this whole escapade did open the door to a government-sponsored quote superhero team that would be available should the 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 you know the crown need them that's a huge deal i think right absolutely yeah now whether i'm sure that's not what what um he intended to happen because that would thwart a lot of his uh, nefarious schemes but yeah and in the last page we see uh, a uh, blatant slap in the face as to what's going to happen in the second volume which uh, something's going uh, very awry on Mars and it needs to be dealt with indeed yeah I'm I really want to read this uh, the prose because I haven't read it since it came out and I didn't really think it was. Uh, I don't. I didn't think we'd be talking about it now. So I didn't read it presently, but I should have. The illustrations are great. They are. Yeah. So now that we're at the end of the assessment of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, I want to know where it falls within the Alan Moore spectrum for you. I did a little, a lot of whittling, mm-hmm. and um, I think League is far better than V for Vendetta. Oh, it, yeah, oh yes. V is my yes. V. I think is for me the most overrated of Alan's works. Okay, and here's where I'm probably going to lose you. I think League is better than The Killing Joke. Oh no, absolutely, it's better. Um, Agreed. 
Oh, okay. It's better than big numbers. Yes. Uh, a small killing. I think it's more. Uh, it's richer than Lost Girls. Oh sure, yeah. I like it better than Top Ten. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I do not think it's better than Promethea. Mm. It'd probably be just above Promethea for me. Mm-hmm. Like, but it's that's it's that tier. Um, I struggled, but I think it's better than Tom Strong. Yep. Yep. Okay. I love Tom Strong, but this is this is easier than I thought it would be for me. But it's also with the caveat that I genuinely believe Alan Moore is the greatest writer in comics history, and I genuinely love almost everything he's ever done. Okay. So, like, this is like these are all a. I mean, most of this stuff is a quality books for me. But yes, um, but there is still a pantheon. All right, um, we're going to disagree, but I think. It is inferior to the one, two, three punch of the courtyard, Neonomicon, and Providence. Yeah, we disagree there. That yeah. stuff would be much lower. I, I knew that would, yeah. that would happen. But, what are you on that to that? Uh, there's a recency bias at play, but considering the subject matter for, for, for those, for, for that series of books, um, uh, I, I know we're just talking about Alan Moore, but it, it's what makes League so special, of course, is is O'Neill's work. And, and is, as great as Jason Burroughs is, um, I think I I read those already, and, and it's not something I kind of want to revisit, whereas I can see me pulling this collection off the shelf in mm-hmm. another bunch of months and and kicking back with it again. It's the same approach, though. Although, but the focus mm-hmm. of of the courtyard, Neonomicon, and Providence is very very narrow. It, the focus yeah, is I, Lovecraft. Right, exactly. I, I'm yeah. much more into the the Easter egg laden historical romp that is League versus the Lovecraftian homage that is yeah the Neonomicon Providence stuff. And again, I think that stuff's excellent too. Yep. So I'm not besmirching it, but for me, this would be pretty clearly ahead of that. Right. But you know me. Sure. Lovecraft I mean, I trumps was, yeah, all these writers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 But that's the uh, only place we've disagreed so far. Okay. I think it's inferior to From Hell. Yeah, we don't agree there. But I, I understand that I have a my I, I have From Hell way lower on my Alan Moore list than I think wow. would be average. Where do you fall on Eddie Campbell in general? Yeah, that's part of the problem. That's the problem. Yeah, I thought you're so. just yeah, crazy, okay. yeah. crazy bullshit. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> well, I, again, I, I he'll come around. He'll come around. Don't forget, he was like not... that. He was like that with all red. Yeah, all like this, this is not a th- like. I I think From Hell's excellent. It's just I, I don't have any. I read From Hell. I thought it was excellent. I have no desire to reread it. Okay. Ten I years, guys. This Eddie Campbell dude. Oh, this is so good. Like, right? The guy who we have you ever watch Friends? About, it's really funny. Talk about it. Bet you know what I'd love? I'd love for one of our fanatical re- listeners to go back and pull the clips of all the proclamations Vince's made. <laughs> Giving up singles forever. Never, only read singles. Never, never mind. No, see, you, you guys, you, you both paint me as this, this, this flighty. No, no. I have stayed true to the course for at least. When 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 have I talked a big two up? 
like on a regular basis. It's it hasn't happened. Okay, but the singles versus collected. Oh, that's a problem. Yeah, <laughs> that's a problem. But anyway, let's let's take this. So obviously, uh, league as grandois as it is, is far inferior to Watchmen. Yes. Well, yes. I mean, for me, Watchmen is the best comic of all time by okay. anybody. So yes, that's right. Um, I think League is not as good as Ellen's Swamp Thing run. Uh, so that mm-hmm. I, I will give you that. I I I think those are the two. I was like, well, do I? I think I prefer this to. No, I no no no. You know what? Not even there's no qualifications. I agree with you because I think the entirety of Swamp Thing is better than the entirety of League. Like if I'm judging League at its highs, which I include this volume as one of them. I like it. I think more. Like I, I would enjoy rereading it more. But, but I think if I'm going the complete thing and and issue or page by page, Swamp Thing is probably only behind Watchmen in Allen's bibliography yeah, for me. I, I gotta agree with you on that one. So I'm and, with you there. No, then, even no qualify. I was gonna try and qualify, but I don't, I don't even think it's a qualifier. This this is inferior to Swamp Thing uh, as an entire, not not volume one, but all of League is inferior to all of Swamp Thing. And, and this is where I may get some hate mail, but I think League is uh, much better than Alan's work with Miracle Man. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, is that controversial? Well, Miracle Man's pretty beloved. No, for sure. But like, because I, I mean, because then you got and you got the Captain Burton stuff, and you got the the you know right like which I would put that way way low, way lower than this. And I and it's one of the reasons I love Captain Burton as a character, but I just don't. That's just that's Alan doing pretty conventional superhero stuff yeah and then the, so, the the cinema purgatorio stuff that he did at avatar is is league didn't even read it so i can't speak to it. right but it, it's it's but you didn't have to because it's basically league uh in the realm of cinema so all of the, oh, the those magazines okay yeah all of the um the characters in uh purgatorio it's much like the you know the these these um, mountaintop characters in literature who are their their analogs for cinema and and just it's it's basically the same approach, long winded, uh, same approach as League transposed to cinema. So mm-hmm. it's nothing novel. Uh, I thought it was great, and it's Kevin O'Neill uh, on visuals. So yeah, it's wonderful, but it's nowhere near League. Mm-hmm. So I thought that would be a fun little way of of just saying it is, that. and I must say that uh, in in thinking through your thing, I I I don't think no. I, in fact, I know I've never read the Ballad of Halo Jones. Yeah, because I'm looking um, at his work here to see if what else is yeah. but uh, yeah. it. It's very good, but I don't. I think that was ramping up Alan Moore, mm-hmm. like cutting his teeth stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the art's funky though too. Yeah. Oh, the art's fucking. Ian Gibson's great. Yep. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I know that. Um, <laughs> I, I got surprised, Jason, with the killing joke. But um, I mean, it. That's just as as special as that story is, um, and as as much as Bowman has kind of tried to revise things here and there. Um, it is, it's strong, but it's still, 
it's still Alan doing a Batman story, and and granted, and I and I know that you know there's more likes to he'll 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 make the the statements about how he's 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 done with with mainstream comics and and you know, no longer working for big publishers and um he'll he'll make these statements where almost other creators kind of take offense or just feel some kind of way and and they'll they'll attack by saying well you know Moore's greatest works are all you know analogs of characters that other people have created yeah but it it's how he handles them i mean watchman is is great it, yeah okay they're charlton characters but they're not and it's still a great story here he's using works that obviously other authors created and 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 these characters but in his hands it's it, it's a fantastic story so i i know that he may not when it comes to creators who have actually created characters like whether you're dan slot or grant morrison and you've created characters for 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 the big two that, that have lived on Moore's using characters that have already existed but what he does with them is is mesmerizing and 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 i you can't look away so i it's as great as the killing joke is when when i when i compare it to what i've read so far of um of league i yeah i i i don't i don't think i could say that that, uh as long as killing joke's been living in my head i I can't say that it, it's. I would be able to say it's better than League. And there you have it. Yeah, no, it was easy for me to 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 throw League. I'm above. not surprised because yeah, I the Killing Joke. It, yeah, it's one of the the landmark Batman stories, but yeah, okay, mm-hmm. right. No, I think we're. I mean, so really, the only places we we don't necessarily agree are the. The Lovecraftian stuff and From Hell, right? And I fully acknowledge on the From Hell that I'm an outlier there. I'm sure if you pull, if we people listening, if you if they pull, I'm sure From Hell will be higher on most Alan Moore list than it is in mine. Right. But um, I will admit that both of those um, works feature things that are very very special to me. Like if you're talking about Lovecraft and Eddie Campbell. A whole lot of things are not going to compare favorably. Yeah, yeah. Right. So it may be mm-hmm. a, a me thing. I know I've thawed on most of my artists. I don't get proclamations over the years, but uh, yeah, with Eddie, I still it's still a struggle for me. Yeah. Well, one of these days you'll wake up. Yeah, maybe one of fifty. It's fine, as long as it happens. <laughs> it's only two years away. I mean. Right. Uh-huh. When it when it happens, I'm here for you, brother. I will hug the shit out of you. So mm-hmm. I'd love him. Should we officially uh, change the name of the show to Old Head Comics? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, who cares? You're only as, you're only as old as your drawers. All right. Um, so, yeah, any anything we want to add to this? Just to make sure if people did play along with this and it was their first experience that, uh, and, and as Dap's already alluded, the, the rest of it is, is, is very much worth continuing on. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, uh, that, which which is a good question. What is your favorite chapter 
of League of Extraordinary. Now, Dap can't really answer this because he hasn't read past some of Volume 2. But uh, So I'll ask you, Jason, what is your favorite League of Extraordinary Gentlemen chapter? Um, well, I, I mean, it would be either this or, or Volume 2, honestly. I mean, just because I'm a sucker for the getting the band together and I do love War of the Worlds, so... Um, yeah, it'd be those. I mean, I. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't like. I'm not gonna overcomplicate it. It would be okay. one, one of. Yeah. Interesting. How about for you? Black dossier. Okay. Yeah. I'm not gonna say why because mm-hmm. D- Dap hasn't uh, gotten there yet. Mm-hmm. But if you're gonna throw 3D glasses in a book, you, you kind of won over my heart. Yeah, I mean, I think as the as the series goes on, like we said, it, it it takes different turns, and I think it I give it credit for for evolving. Um, I also though think that it does lose, not in a negative way, but it is a different type of storytelling. There there by definition, as he gets into the the time jumping and the more modern stories and then the future stories, inherently there's not going to be as many Easter eggs because it, you know it's not referencing stuff that already happened or. Um, but but it 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 gets it gets wild and crazy and and I give him credit for not sticking to he could have just turned out a bunch of volumes of this of Victorian heroes having adventures right and he he doesn't do that which I think is yeah is to his credit um, yeah one of the things I love about Black Dossier is that it's self referential mm-hmm. so it gets into the metaverse um, area where you know the the I don't want to say anymore because Dap hasn't read it. But uh, yeah, it, it's more than um, it exists on more than paper, if that makes any sense, which it doesn't to Dap. So that's a good thing. All right. Um, yes. So that was our book of the month. And you can participate in these things by becoming a patron. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. We often. Uh, frequently, every month actually, uh, solicit, um, well, more often than not, we solicit uh, opinions from our patrons as to what they would like to see as the subject of our book of the month. Uh, This one I think we just picked, didn't we? Yeah, because, um, well, we started off the year strong with Mouse, and I figured we should end the year strong. I mean, we've had some bangers throughout the year, uh, but uh, considering I had never read this, um, finally got my copy, and I just figured, listen, um, why don't we just make it easy on ourselves for December? So this because obviously you guys had already read it, and we didn't have to go crazy. It's the holidays, December, things are crazy, so um, we just we, we made it simple, but next month, We'll have the spreadsheet up again, so you can throw your suggestions on there, and um, right. and then we still have the running list from from this year. So uh, we'll have Januarys soon. Um, probably not. Well, I don't think we'll have it for next week. Well, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll discuss for January's book, and uh, and of course we'll let your folks know. But January we also have the O'Closkers, so we got plenty to do. It's a big yep. deal. It's a big we have deal. A guest. Yep. Have a guest next week. Guest episode next week. I cannot long, wait. Long awaited. Very anticipated. 
very much so. We have the 11 O'Clockers, which we are, for those still listening, hopefully you all are, uh, we are leaning toward the 18th, which would be the third Wednesday of January for the O'Clockers. Um, as a reminder, if you go to 11oClockComics.com, top left tab, you will see an O'Clockers tab. Click on that. It will bring you to a Google form. If you haven't already, you can sign up there. Just use your, as long as you have a real email address that you're using, it will save your picks and you can go in and add, change, whatever you want to do over the next few weeks. And I, I know a lot of people have lamented that they don't feel they've read enough current comics to submit full ballots. You don't have to submit a full ballot. We, we have well over 20 categories that we reward and obviously we're maniacs and we read lots of comics, but we fully understand that not everybody has the time or budget to read as much book as we do. So if you're just a manga fan or you're just mainly into horror comics or you just are a big two superhero comic fan, like you could just participate in those categories. It's all good. You don't have to feel compelled to fill out the whole ballot. I know a lot of people over the years have said, oh, I, I would have submitted, but I didn't want to leave a bunch of stuff blank. You can absolutely do that. There's no problem, right? Like it's it's no skin off our back if you only have picks for five to ten of the categories that's much better than not submitting at all i'd much prefer you do that so please yeah. by all means just just fill in what you're comfortable filling in on that topic Vinny came to me he's like dad i watched all that chainsaw man stuff it's great i'm like <laughs> dude read this you could read the <laughs> stuff it came from and he's like nah i'm good <laughs> oh no see I, I didn't i didn't realize that uh well, I mean, because I'm watching it on Hulu, but I didn't realize that yeah, me too. the series, the, the anime just started basically oh, yeah. like, you know, a couple months ago because the, the, the 12th episode just came out yesterday. So um, I got to the end of the 11th episode and I was like waiting for the next one. I'm like, and now it's, it, it's queuing up Spy Family. And I was just like, but wait. And then I noticed that the episode I just finished came out on the 20th. And I was right. like, oh, I felt like we already had like maybe a a season or so under here, but no, it, it's so how does, does the, um, when, uh, when the anime starts after the month, is that typical that, that, that the anime like begins or, or is actually released so long after the, the, the manga had started? Do they, do they sometimes like kind of start at the same time? Well, or just... I think it's a, like a lay of the land type thing. They look to see, you know, what's the following of the manga. Is it substantial? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now All we'll right. start making a, a, a. And they also have to have a bunch of chapters under their belt too. And it's they, it's they much more than that. that. It's investors and and where does the money come from? Uh, okay. All that stuff. Yeah. Gotcha. That then it gets into Jason's corrupted side of the planet. <laughs> I don't want to go yes. there. But um, do we have? A, a category on the 11 o'clockers best um this year what is it what is the manga. category hmm? no we i know we have a best manga but do we have oh. a bat do we have a best entertainment uh best comic based entertainment in another medium type <laughs> category go back to that you want to bring we that used back? to we got rid of it we did yeah we did used yeah. to but we don't have it anymore oh that's sad oh well why, what would yours be? Wednesday. <gasps> that is awesome. Yeah. That is a solid pick. I might have to co-sign that. I love it. But what's... Charles what? Adams, uh, they were comics. Oh, before. boy. Okay. <sighs> 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 
that we don't have the casual range. It's, 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 it's just exhausting. It really is. <laughs> what, a, what a Grinch. Uh, yeah. But I thought Wednesday was magnificent. Agreed. Yeah. Good for y'all. Okay. <laughs> All right. I have a question. Mm. Because we are leading into the new year, and mm. who knows whether we'd have an episode between now and then. So I ask you, in terms of your comic consuming um, life, what are your goals for the new year? Yeah, I mean, there's a few. We talked about uh, someone on the Slack asked a similar question. Um, uh, top of the top, top of the list is is the to do a deep dive on the Love and Rockets first fifty. Nice, because um, you got the box set. Yeah, so that's yeah. that's a top of the list. Another is to um, read a handful of these fucking Omniboo that I own that I just yeah. <laughs> that I, I still have keep on years later. Um, yeah, because it's like. Why am I buying them if I don't plan on ever reading them? So, um, and then the other thing I'd said is more with the show is that I'd like to make sure that we uh, do some quality chats with other people this year, some interviews because I mean we certainly had a few this year, but we had our least amount of interviews ever. Um, uh, you know, for whatever reasons, just just quirk, just not. I don't think there was any grand plan one way or the other. It just worked out that way. But uh, but I I definitely want to try and see if we can get some people on the show, particularly some Grail people, you know, just to yeah. see if we can get a couple of people on that we have that we've always aspired to have a chat with and haven't to because because why not now? I think we should do one a month. Yeah, I mean, I mean if we nice, have to right? do I mean, five or yeah. six episodes a month, I think yeah. one talking to a, an yeah. industry professional that's yeah. not a, and yes, we know there are people there are diehards that prefer when we don't have guests, but sorry. Mm-hmm. We need to talk to these people. And yeah. um, our next guest, um, God, I love her so much. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the last, the last thing is just more of a, a collector thing than a than a reading comics thing, and that's just to try and reclaim my comic room because it's just it's packed to the gills now with book, and I, I pretty much can't can't really enjoy, can't relax in there because of it. So I, I, uh, I just need to organize and get rid of a bunch of stuff i mean i just mm. need to do it so. interesting i think dap and i can make the the trip to jersey mm-hmm. yeah, we can help you out there yeah we help sure. you out. yeah cool um well number one you're a bastard because now everything i say after this is going to look bad because you're like oh the singles versus trades blah, 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 blah. because <laughs> <laughs> and it's still? it's true because i'm going to the shop every week singles have been par- far preferable to me than trades because it's a it's a it's feeding the beast like why would i go every week if not for the reward of another chapter in something i'm reading so i've i've um i prefer singles now okay doesn't have any bearing on anything you've said <laughs> but, <laughs> but but singles are the way to go um for now let's just say um and i'm not going to be as as um reactionary a reader as i have been in the past um, what does that mean i mean i hear things or i i read things on the slack like whoa this is great you got to try this and a lot of it 
is I, I get caught up in the in the moment, in the the excitement, in the the electricity of it, and mm-hmm. I'll I'll dive in. But eh, I don't know because you feel like your hit rate's low with that. Very. Yes. Okay, that's interesting because because and if if that's the case, then I understand what you're saying. Because for me, I, I find it the opposite. Often, I find when people are hyping up a, a thing that, that I'm not familiar, I'll I'll try and love it. But when it comes from people like Jefferson or uh, Brian C or Mike, then I'm like, all right, I know that I'm gonna vibe with this stuff, right? Because they're picking parts of my brain that that were copacetic, right? But when it's just an overabundance of you got to read this, it's so awesome. It shows Tony Stark in another light. I'm like, mm, do I really need to see Tony Stark in another light? I don't think so. Right. Right. So I'm just I'm I'm not gonna I'm trying not to fall prey to the hype, both in the reading and purchasing side, mm-hmm. right? Because it's it it, it it could cost a lot of money, right? Mm-hmm. Other than that, I don't think there's anything I need to change because I'm I'm pretty perfect as it is. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <sighs> so true. Yeah, right. It's so true. Dap, you have any uh, New Year's uh, resolutions you want to mm-hmm. pretend to stick to? Pretend to, yes. Um, yeah, I, I, um, I, I say this every so often, but I, it, it's, it's getting to the point where you, again, and and we say this constantly, where you know we could stop buying and we'll still have yes. to read. But truth, truth. It, it absolutely is true. I just, I need to now, now that I, you know, yeah, before. It was, we could have joked about it or whatever, you know, digital only. I didn't have any room really in the old house for all the shit that I wanted anyway. Um, now I've got my own little you know, section of the of the place, but. Um, you could take other sections. I, I am, I really shouldn't. I, I could, but I should. Uh, I am, I'm, I'm looking at like so many stacks and boxes and i just i i it's not claustrophobic but i could see it getting there and i just i need to i i need to just when i go through the previews of that and that's exactly what i did for for december um i i i ordered the corbin book and as well you should right and 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 then you know a bunch of singles and and a trade from source point and then that was pretty much it so it was the, the the order was like you know less than less than ninety from DCBS and then wow, whatever I'm getting from from, from the shop, I know mine um, was less than thirty, right, Jesus right, Christ. but it it and and you know and that's even with the you know with with the and I excluded the Defenders omnibus that solicited in January and yeah. and I didn't bother with the Immortal Hulk omnibus and Same. and so so I'm just like I my my goal is to just I, there's so many hours in the day. There's so much we're already reading. There's so much we want to read to, at least for the show, not just for ourselves, but <laughs> I, I, I need to be smarter about what it is I am. I'm buying so that I, I don't need to just, I don't need, I don't need to buy it just to buy it. And, and I have to, and, and as I was, right. when, when I noticed that the defenders second volume was coming out and, and I, was, I was talking to you guys about it and Vince was like, he's already got the singles. And 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 that that just reiterated it to me. It's like, am I going to 
Am I going to spend money? Is this a neat thing to have? Omnibuses are great for the whole archival aspect of it, and and everything's in one p in, in in one place. But do I want to spend the money, take up the shelf space, try to find time to read something that I've already read, or do I want to try something new and just see if it lights my ass on fire, or if 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 I just if if it was a try, didn't stick, I'll try again next month with something else. I just, I want to be smarter about what I'm purchasing, what I'm reading. Right, right. Um, there's a number of really disconcerting things in this current previews. Take a look at the IDW section mm. and tell me what you don't see. Well, you, you still see cover art? Or you don't see uh, turtles? No, there's no cover arts. Uh, but as far as turtles goes, it's Armageddon game. Right. Armageddon Game Alliance. That's it. Mm-hmm. There's no Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles ongoing at all this month. Is it over? I don't know. That's well, I asked th- because issue number three hundred of GI Joe. Oh yeah, I saw that. Came out. The uh, cover's great. The cover is it, great. It's and it apparently it's back. some kind of record. It's the most ever characters yes. on a single cover. I don't know how they would know that for sure, but they're out there touting it as a record. It's three hundred and thirteen characters. Which now I knew cool. you were going to talk about this because I, so I made a point of of looking at it. Okay, cover's great. Yeah, I mean, I, we're not to go off on the tangent here, but just because you brought it up, but yeah, it is. I I hadn't read a GI Joe comic like a a, a current GI Joe comic in years. Um, but I, I noticed in the solicits that it was th- issue 300 and the final issue the of end, IDW's, yeah. what, 15, 20-year run with the license. Um, and Larry Hammond has been writing it in continuity. It's it's the same numbering from the Marvel series. So I'm like, ah, you know what? I'm like, I'm going to jump in cold just for the last issue, just just send it off. And, uh, hmm. yeah, I mean, to your point, I mean, let's not mince words. Um, the artist is S.L. Gallant, who has done a tremendous amount of G.I. Joe comics at this point. I mean, he's been one of the main... G.I. Joe artist for years, along with, with Robert Atkins and a few others. But Gallant's been probably, I, I mean, he's up there, if not the most the most prolific G.I. Joe artist. Uh, and I think, I think he's terrible. I, I, yeah. it's, it's, and I was so frustrated because I thought, well, you know what? Last time I saw Gallant was probably a decade ago, so people get better. And I opened up this issue, and it's again, it's the final issue. It's, it's this big send-off issue. And it was, the art was just completely, completely almost disrespectful i think of like i can't even believe that that's like how they're gonna get sent off and so so as a creative individual i wouldn't call it terrible but i i will uh, uninspired yes i will reiterate your your comment that it doesn't do the proper respect to the franchise um, yeah, and when whole, you consider I mean, all the, the names was, that have come before, like yeah, Trippy, the whole and thing made me sad because Atkins and it, it 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 was like I said, it's the final issue, and I I I mean I am jumping in cold, so I realized that there would be lots of plot points that I would just have to go with. But this GI Joe, I mean, we're not we're not talking right. we're not talking uh, you know Dostoevsky here, uh, but. Um, <laughs> It was just weird because not only was the art uninspired, but it was just another GI Joe comic, and it it ends on a cliffhanger. There's right. No, that was there's the no part. resolution. I, I don't exactly. Like, yeah. Like I, I was like, that's how you're going out. Like it just seems super weird to me. And but we know. I, but the the get, re, the reader doesn't know. Like we know where it's going next, but the reader. No, doesn't. I understand. But Larry Hama. I mean, I don't know that Larry Hama's involved in where it's going. 
I mean, he says he's unemployed now, so I don't know that he's being asked to to continue a pace. And and I would have thought that for a guy that spent quite literally forty years of his life now telling these stories, I would think that he would be interested in wrapping it up on his terms in a compelling way. And right, it was a bummer, honestly. I, I mean, yeah, I think it's a small bummer. It's a first world problem, but but I. I thought, wow, this is how you're going out, huh? Okay. <laughs> well, mm. it is a great cover, though. It is. It is. It, it is very is. nice. Yeah, it really be... is. It gave me hope. I was like, this is neat. I mean, this would yeah. this would look amazing on, on a wall if you're a Joe fan, for sure. I, I no doubt but, about that. But Yeah, I think um, wherever it would land would want to take advantage of, of um, the legacy aspect of the franchise and um, – Ensure I, I th- that the visuals would be up to snuff as well. Right? I, I think that I think whoever takes it over, uh, and we're being vague, we know who. Has yeah, it. well said. Um, I, I think would be better off rebooting it hard and and just treating it like we're just learning about these characters. I think that would draw a whole yes, whole new world in. I, I think the it's going to be um, it's not going to be a top ten book, but it's no, it's definitely no, going to no. be a top. It'll it'll be a top twenty five book, I think. But where it's going will have give it exposure or at least a chance at right. being seen by right. people that wouldn't have given it any mind otherwise. But the fact that it ends on a cliffhanger makes me think that Larry will somehow be involved in the moving forward, right? Right. Who right. knows? Who knows? I will but, say the killer whale is prominently featured in the issue, so I'll give them that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I was. I was like, oh, Jason's all. Woo, woo. <laughs> I'm like, all right, we well, gave me that at least. Thank so. you very much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. Uh, but no, I'm scared because um, I'm I'm almost convinced that this Armageddon game is the last hurrah for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's, that's my thinking. Yeah. yeah. Well, you mean at IDW or just in general? At IDW, because yeah. the fact that. The ongoing is not solicited for January. Makes me very scared. Um, and uh, Armageddon Game is issue seven, I think. And Alliance is issue six, which there's whole, not a whole lot after that. So I, I, I don't know. I think it, if you take away the Transformers and the Turtles and G.I. Joe from IDW, what do you have? Yeah. Ser- seriously, what's left? Yeah. Well, we, I mean, it was officially announced last year that they lost the Transformers and Joe licenses. Um, I haven't seen anything that indicated they've lost the Turtles licenses. Like, officially at least, right? If you, I haven't seen any confirmation of that. I haven't. You're silent, Vince. Did we lose Vince? I don't see him muted. Did we did we lose the man? I see him there. Still here. I'm still here. Sorry, oh. I was I had to do something in the background. Oh. But um yeah, I don't I I I think IDW has definitely lost the licenses of all these things. Yeah, it's po- and, I mean, it, and it's sad because yeah. I, I think they're a great company. I guess you to the said another way, we know what Transformers and GI Joe <laughs> happens next to them. We, yes. I have no idea where Turtles was going if it's going somewhere else. Yes. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of talk about um, IDW's future as a comic book publisher and right, its financial yeah. position. And 
But the thing that got me was the recent announcement that I, uh, Aftershock filed for bankruptcy. Like, what? They're not the only yeah. one. There's been a bunch, but yes, Aftershock. I thought Aftershock was more solvent than IDW. Uh, big, uh, big, big picture. Because well, IDW is publicly traded. I mean, I didn't know that. Yeah, so I, I don't, I don't know that that's true. But and they just kicked off a new Star Trek series too. I mean, damn, oh, the, the, the timing is damn shit. Oh hush you. <laughs> See, but God forbid if I said something about the turtles, though you, you don't say anything about the turtles. You can't. Right to your point. Okay, but to your point, I mean, IDW stock it's currently got a, a twelve million dollar market cap, which is basically a penny stock. So that doesn't mean much. They could be in trouble. I don't know what that means, but it means the stock is is a, it's a tiny, tiny, illiquid stock. It's it's the kind that's easily manipulated and not heavily owned by institutions like mine or bigger. So it's. It could well, they could well have serious financial impairment, for all I know. It's sad. It is. Yeah, it is. There's, there's yeah, Lock and Key, man. They were, dude, when Lock and Key went to Netflix, they were, they were strutting like peacocks. They were so sure that this, that was going to be the start of a massive deluge of their IP, making big, big moves. Never happened. Well, it would help that the show didn't suck. Interesting. I don't like oh, the show. The show sucks. Yeah. I mean, I love the comic a lot more than the show, but oh, exactly, right. But you know, the, you guys are funny. We were talking about Omnibus and the ridiculousness of it. Like, as I'm sitting here, I'm looking at Young Avengers, Omnibus, mm-hmm. Absolute Multiversity, Priest, Black Panther, New Warriors, Classic Omnibus, The Invaders, and although it's not an Omnibus, it's the size of an Omnibus, which is the Seven to Eternity hardcover. Like that, right. those that, that alone is what probably three thousand pages of comics. That I've Easy. just gotten, I've gotten in the last two months sitting here next to me that I haven't even thought about cracking open. Like it's a the sickness. Fuck am I doing? It's a sickness. Like, that's it's ridiculous. Like, right. When am I going to sit and read a hundred or forty issues of the Invaders? And granted, I mean, and well, well you should get to that. Let's adjust. Oh, or, or what? Or, okay, if not it, the Invaders, then, then New Warriors. Like, am I going to really sit down and reread all of New Warriors? I mean, and the the like for me the the Seven to Eternity. I I have the collection because we're reading the preview comps from the, the, the digital comps from, from image. So I'd like to actually have that. Sure. And, and I didn't finish it. I didn't, I, I, I stopped maybe halfway through. So I, I, I have, I have, I'm looking forward to, to getting to it, but you know, I, I decided I splurged on the, um, uh, the, the, the miracle man on the bus. I, I think the last Ooh. one I got before that was the, uh, maybe we'll do that for January. Um, the, uh, no, cause we just did Alan Moore. Um, <laughs> The question, the question on the bus. Uh-huh. He's having this whole conversation with himself there. <laughs> I am. It's all right. Well, no, that's the thing with this. That is, like you said, that's that's the problem with this, right? It's like on, like in a in a vacuum, each of these I'm I'm happy to own. Right. Like it's material that I'm happy right. to have. Yeah. A material that I would conceptually love to revisit. I, I so it's like I'm like yeah I'm down for that. Like but then it's like okay, as good as I am at time management, there's only so much time. Right. And like there's lots of other things we're reading that I'm excited to read and and it's just ridiculous. Like I'm not I, going I, to read I'm not going to read so, so many of these. I mean, I must have I don't know what 80 to 100 omnibus at this point. I mean, half nuts. of them are still in the shrink wrap. That's and nuts. we're talking years later. Like I have books in my comic room that I that I have in my possession for a decade that are still in the shrink wrap. Mhm. That makes no sense. It does not make any sense, but it's one of the things that I think of whenever I go through the previews, like, do I really need this stuff? Right. 
Right. But, I've been I've been terrible at that in the past, but I'm trying to be better at it because right. it's just it's it because it is now it is crossed over to a point of being a case of anxiety for me now. Like now, exactly. when I go into my comic room, I have anxiety because I'm like I'm never going to read all this, and I need physically to get rid of half of it so that I can relax in this awesome comic room I have and enjoy what I right. do have. I look at the stacks in my reading room and I'm like, well, the patrons are going to get this because there's no way I'm going to have time to read it. Number one. Number two, why the fuck did I buy all this shit? It, th- one of the best things that I've bought, uh, and, it, and it's by proxy, one of the best things I've received this year is the Tilly Walden signed book pay- plate for Clementine. Okay. Right? And, and this, this will make sense, trust me. But the fact that um, an artifact from a, a current artist fills me with such joy and receiving the the possibility of receiving the Defenders Omnibus Volume 2 does not. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that should, that yeah. sets the course, right? Where I, I want to experience the new. I've already experienced the old. Like, if, if, if we make it a part or, or a project where we're just like, yeah, let's revisit this and see if this thing that we read 30 years ago holds up. That's right. a totally different thing from buying a McFarlane Spider-Man omnibus that I know what it is. I mean, I, it, it's only one thing, right? Yep. It's, it's not multi-layered at all. It is what it is. I, yet I bought it. Like, why? Why are we doing this to ourselves? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So in the new year, I would, I, again, I think if you focus on singles, which Jason, I know you don't do, but if you, Dap and I will focus on singles, and I think it's a much more rewarding experience because we're not expending a ton of money every week at the comic shop, and we're getting like incremental little bursts of joy. Yeah, my mind is wired just so differently now. I, 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 there's almost nothing that I can read in singles because by the time the arc or the series is wrapping up, I feel compelled to reread the whole thing again because I don't remember what happened. But that's okay. (laughs) If, if, if the. But it's not because again, we have fixed, we have fixed time. So so going back and rereading is, is, it's, that's time, right? Yeah, but I think we owe it to ourselves and to the listeners to devote that time to things, right? I don't know. Well, sure. But that's what I'm saying. But for me, it's easier just to, you know, just wait till the things are finished. Like, as I was saying at the beginning of the show, with, with like, DC vs. Vampires and Nice House on the Lake, the, I read those as the issues were coming out. That's so rare for me. I mean, and, and well, I'm going to... didn't you just love it? I did, but but I sit here thinking, well, now I need to go back and re- read them both from the beginning because I don't quite remember what happened as they're about to wrap up. Well, like, maybe that's more of a case of you read too damn much than sure. it is. And and yeah. when 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 I say you read too damn much, I'm not just talking about comics. Like you are plugged into the news feeds sure. of every. Yeah. You do yeah. you read a lot. Yeah, um, and it's, sure. Well, it's also my yeah professional. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe it's you part should of quit the job too. Yeah. Um, no, hundred percent. I mean, um, and sometimes it's rewarding. Like, um, I reread the whole of Philadelphia once issue twenty five came out, and that was great. Uh, I re- just reread all of Deadly Class in anticipation of it ending, and that was wonderful. But that's crazy. But I don't want to feel like I, I have to, though. You know, that's like again, it's like I think what we what, 
at this point in our lives, the whole goal is to make sure that the stuff we're doing that's supposed to be a joyful hobby is a joyful hobby. And it's not because we feel like we have to. Right. And so it's whether it's for you guys, the joy is reading singles. That's great. Or for me, the opposite. But it's like, I don't want to feel like I have to do things or to, like, I, I still, yeah, I just don't want it to feel like it's, it's, it's like something that I need to do because otherwise it's not going to be a, a satisfying uh, experience. And so one of the things I, I, I think I have to do now is to read things as, as in their entirety, like a book and not for me, that's how I'm going to retain it. Better. Okay. Well, I mean, if it keeps you behind the microphone, then do it. Well, but, but like we're saying though, th- this is all different than on the show. Like if, if we're like, all right, let's, you know, okay. Uh, GI Joe and Transformers, we are getting rebooted. Well, I'm like, it's exciting to read the number one and talk about it. But then like, I'll likely like I, I enjoy reading number ones. I mean, number one, we get a lot of them for for free. Like the publishers give them to us, right? But number so that's number one. So it's easy. It's not like I have to go and buy it at the store. I can I can read the digital. Number two, so I read. I'm still I read almost all number one issues because that sets the tone for whether I want to then continue to acquire the subsequent or the printed version and read it. So like I'm still always down for that. But it's like. When I'm a couple issues in, I'm like, okay, no, I'm gonna like with the human target, like Tom, like I, after maybe the third issue, I thought, okay, I'm gonna put this aside. When it finishes, I'm gonna read it, and it's gonna be great. Right. That's just for me. That's how it works. Well, taking into account the person behind the Transformers relaunch, I'm gonna be talking about each and every issue that comes out. I'm but that's, sorry, and that's separate, different. Like I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm. I think that's fine. I'd probably be into that too at first. But I also will say that that, per- that person, I'm on the other side, and that generally speaking, I like reading the entirety of that person's story at once. Uh, that yeah. I, like, well, buckle up because <laughs> <laughs> every issue, man, as soon as okay. it comes out, I'm on it. Yep. Or not. There you go. I want to see you get some of that away. Uh, it would be nice, but mm-hmm. far, far too out of my price range. Um, hey everybody, thank you for being here with us this time around. We love you so much and we want you to be safe and sound in the new year. We don't know if we're going to come to you before said new year. We'll see what happens. But in the meantime, um, love those you love. Read some comics, eat some good stuff, and say goodnight. Here's my New Year's resolution as far as this is concerned. Jason hates when I do the sound bites. He no, you can't front. You hate it. You hate it so much. I won't do them anymore. No, wait. It's only. It, I don't hate it. It's just that hate I hate it. it depending on what it is you're doing and when. <laughs> Last time when I did Home Alone, you're just like, "Fuck mm. this, I'm out. I'm out." <laughs> well, that's because that's a trash movie. But David, it's um, not a trash movie. Good night. There you go. He heard it. See that? Happy birthday posthumously 100th to Mr. Stanley. Hmm. Rest in peace. I know Vince is raising his glass right now. <laughs> nah, that's, that's not going to happen. But There's no denying the man's impact. That's right. Yep. I can't hey. fr- nice. I can't fret out of that. Uh-huh. But I will not profess to ever uh, I know, I know, love I know. the man. We uh we didn't do in your travels because I Vince I've read the Nemo stories for the first time this week. I saw that 
and yeah. that's ex- that's particularly why I shut you out because I don't want you talking about them. Wait, why? Because there's no need to talk about them in light of what we just talked about. Because then David hasn't read them, and you're going to spoil it for him. The, okay, fair enough. But like we're talking mash level time before David gets to the Nemo books. <laughs> wow! Did you say <laughs> mash level time? Yeah, like like David's not getting to the Nemo books if ever for at least five to ten years. I like, don't know. Not, like, there's a lot of League to read before you get to the Nemo. I don't I know mean, if that's the true. Fact that I hadn't read the Nemo books and have read almost all of League multiple times speaks to that. I propose, Dap, we have a monthly checking in on Dap. Where are you at in the League? (laughs) (laughs) I think he's going to be reading manga every month. He's going to be reading League every month. It's a wonderful, wonderful new world, isn't it? It is, yeah. Uh, um, But this is the only omnibus, right? The, the, The first two colors, the first two volumes? I don't know anything about omnibus. Right, because yeah, you have the issues. Yeah. So I have to find other ways to get the remaining stories. Oh, I, I got you covered in that respect. Don't okay. worry about that. Good enough. Where's Dap in League this month? Let's see. Take it away, Dap. In the world. It is a segment. It's a, <laughs> where in the I world like is it Dap? A lot. <laughs> where in the world is Dap? Jason's like, yeah, but I want to talk about Nemo because I just read him. No, it's going to be it's going to be the best thing I read this week uh, on my video that I'm going to do this week. Nice, of course it would be. Nothing else so. would compare. That's right. All right. Well, this would. I almost was going to do it on the on league itself, but I figure it's not really new ground, especially after we did a whole episode on it. So right. So take our advice. Go do all that stuff. Come back because um, we love you so much. We'll be here next time, and I say that because I don't know if it's going to be a week from now or less. But we will be back because we're not going anywhere. We Damn just, skippy dippy. We just love you so much. Tell them how much you love them. Whole bunch. Happy New Year, peoples. Yeah. I didn't hear from him. A ton. A ton. Oh, boy. By the way, perfect, perfect example of what we were just talking about. I just checked on Amazon for Leave Extraordinary Gentlemen Nemo Collections. There's a beautiful slipcase edition from 2015. I clicked on it. I own it. <laughs> I had no idea I owned it until Amazon told me I did. Oh, hilarious. Jeez. So did, that comes with the glasses for Black Dossier, then? No, this is this is the Nemo stuff. The Nemo stuff. Oh, it's just the, the trilogy. It's just the, the three, yeah, it's the oh, three gotcha. Nemo volumes in a slipcase. Oh, that's good to own. It is good to own. I'm glad I owned it. I, didn't, I forgot I owned it. This is funny. I, I recently had to consult my DCBS um, order history. Because I was looking for a particular issue of a magazine. And I'm like, that sounds really familiar. I, <laughs> I think I have that. And I'm like, yep, I bought it like eight years ago. <laughs> oh, if you want to laugh, I'll pull up my DCBS order history and type in omnibus. <laughs> it's it's so silly. Why it's do you have so many omnibus? It's nuts. It is absurd. Yeah. It's crazy. Me and Brian Newberry, Omnibus Brothers. Seriously. I, I, I turned to my left, and underneath these, the, the the manga we were talking about last week, I have See You at San Diego that I barely started. So, I mean, there's still... There's I read still about 20 so, pages of it. 
Yeah. I mean, and it's dense AF, but it's it's still it's still something that like I I want to read it. Right. There's things that there's things no, that's I have, the thing, Dad, and it's like it's thing. cool to have. But I, I, I look at I, these titles, just, and I'm yeah, I, like I ninety percent of it I want to read. Yep. Like I'm not like oh wow that was dumb what like what did I buy that for? It's yeah. like oh I want to read that when I have time. Oh I'd love to read that. Oh I should sit down and read that. It's like but then I'm like okay uh, you're having another two thousand pages arrive next week. So yeah. well, like what are you when are you gonna what are you gonna do? Because mm-hmm. I haven't done my year end tally, but as you know I've read a lot of comics this year. But like I'm still sure that I'm net gaining in unread pages than. Like, even though I read a lot of comics this year. Dap, you do know that when we talk about that San Diego book that he's checking out, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. we should probably save that for uh, one of his quarterly uh, yes. trips and take us trips. Quarterly? Are you kidding me? It's, lo- it's, well, it's I mean, I'm, less I'm, I'm than that. Kennedy's tomorrow, so if you guys want uh, to ding. Crank oh, it out. Ding. Well, it's such a big book, we can't read it before the end of the year. So No. No, yeah. Yeah, I'm out on that one. That's peace and love, fanographics. Keeping <laughs> keeping the fandom you know aspect of you know, yeah, I'll be a fan of Robin. He'll he'll talk about card. I own almost everything that they've published. Yeah, but once they do, years. once they trapes in the fandom, you're like, yeah, I'm out. Fuck that. There was, yeah, there, I mean, the only fandom I get I care it. about is my own. Right. I get it. I get it. But that's because you had more than your own growing up. When you only had your own fandom growing up. Then it becomes important to you. No, see, I think it's just the opposite. I was a completely solitary comic fan. I had no friends that read comics. That's scary. Like there was nothing communal about comics to me, other than going to the store each wow. week to pick up my issues. And you know, I was the young guy. Everyone else was older than me. I think that explains a lot. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So, well, how do you feel about letter columns? Ignore them. Absolutely. 0.0 interest. Oh, my, my heart. Like, when I see people like, oh, I had a letter and so-and-so, like, I'm like, good for you. It means nothing to me. Right. I had a letter. Dude, you, I'm almost going to cry. <laughs> I'm not kidding. You're bringing me almost to the point of tears. He laughs. It's not funny. I know. I know. All right, we're out of here. But I'm not, but like, but I'm not, like, begrudging those of you who do get joy out of it. I don't, like, I don't think they're bad. I just they don't have any... I get me. it. I get it. Sad. Sad. I get it. Sad. Like you, you know, I don't really connect with the fanzines like you guys do. Right. We get it. Like I like reading the occasional fanzine when you want us to because I find it interesting on the ad hoc basis to have the conversation. <laughs> but I don't have any pull, especially like older stuff. It just doesn't. I don't know why I would care. Like what someone one. else. Like why a str- it to me, it's like it's like internet comments, which I detest. Right, only forty years old. Yeah, but if you're gonna if you're gonna launch into a diatribe against fancies and just say ad hoc, I'm done. I'm sorry, <laughs> I got I checked out as soon as you said ad hoc. I'm like, mm, we're done. <laughs> All right, people, come back next time. We love you so much. They love you. We're out of here. Tell Peace. Me. Yeah. Yeah. Happy New Year, everybody. Be safe. Happy New Year. No when to put your, your keys in the bowl or ask for a friend to take you home. Oh, big, yes. big facts, yeah. Yeah. Because we want you to come back and talk about right. fanzines. Yes. That's it for that one. <laughs>